I mean, my heart's beating, my heart's beating, my hands are shaking, my hands are shaking, but I'm still shooting, I'm still getting the headshots, it's like, boom, headshot, boom, headshot, boom, headshot. Just gonna send it. <laughs> All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of Just Evan Send It Podcast. I have with me today, it's going to be a good one. It's coming all the way from the UK across the pond. I've got Richard Trezzy, a.k.a. Trez. Is it Trezzy? Is that how it's pronounced, your last name? Trezice. Tre- oh, wait, man, that's some English shit Trezice. right there. Okay. <laughs> if, you were in the UK, um, if you were here in the U.S., that'd be some Trezzy <laughs> shit. I got you. And I got Andy Simpson. <laughs> I got the two guys that head up the Precision Rifle Series UK. So this this uh, this episode's kind of been in the... We've been talking about it for like, what, fucking six months or something now <laughs> since you first emailed me? Yeah, it's getting on uh, a while now. It's just catching times when we're both available, isn't it? It's just one of them things. Yeah, and it's, you know, I this obviously isn't my job as everyone knows i don't make a penny off of this i just spend a bunch of money on it but um it's i get it you know with between between shooting between obviously work between having a six-year-old and you know vacations and then you know soccer and jujitsu it for me i i get these episodes in when i can get them in so there may be a time where i get I'll get three episodes done in a week, and then it'll be another month and a half before I can even get to another one. And it's just with you guys over there, the time difference and everything. It's just you know, every, you get three schedules to line up. So I'm I'm glad. I've been really excited about this episode. Us getting this done, dude. I appreciate y'all coming on. No worries. Thanks for having us. Yeah, Thanks no problem. No problem. So so first of all, let's get started with this. So where you emailed me, and because I had um uh the uh all of the GCP guys. I had Christian on who's in Norway and then all the, all that stuff. And I, I, you, you saw my interest in kind of the, the European gun culture. Now, mind you, Norway and Great Britain, although both of you are in the, in the E, well, you're not in the EU anymore. Good on you guys. No. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but even so it's a culture difference between, you know, Norwegians and Brits. So, uh, but yeah, you 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 picked up on my curiosity about about that, and so you you hit me up. So you guys, how long have y'all listened to the podcast? Oh God, I've been listening to the podcast probably. I started listening about maybe six or seven episodes into. Oh wow! Yours, and then I yeah, so it's been quite quite a long time. Um, I mean, I, I do a lot of long driving, so I'm doing regular doing two and a half, three hour trips in the van. So I, it just it helped me. I listen to all sorts of podcasts, and it's just one that I, I picked up on. Um, and then because of your mannerisms and uh, what's uh, how not to how uh, not to say something without sounding sounding weird, but um, the fact that you don't care about what you say and you say what you think, which is exactly the same as 
kind of it's what the Brits do, don't we? We just say as we say things as they need to be said, and yeah. um, and I told Andy, he said you need to listen to this guy's podcast, and he was like, okay, then I'll give it a shot. And <laughs> ever since then, we've been we've been tuning in every single time. Nice, yeah, man. Um, yeah, I think went probably last August. I think it's when you introduced me to it, Trez. August, maybe July last year. That's awesome. I appreciate the support you guys. I, I really do. And I, I love on, so I host the podcast on, on Podbean, right? But it's on every, just about every podcast platform It's available to, to, to download it and, or listen to it there. But my, my host, I don't know if it's a server or whatever is, is Podbean. And they have like different metrics you can see. And, you know, one of them, which is one of my favorite ones, is you can see where podcasts are downloaded from and like what country. Yeah. Now, obviously, in the age of VPNs, I can have a VPN says on a ten buck too. But um, yeah, it. Uh, I've, I've last time I checked, it was like listened to or downloaded in seventy two countries, which for me is is wow. fucking wild because I mean. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. This is this is something I dick around and do, and I enjoy doing. But I never thought that you know, and I, I don't have some of the downloads that some of the other guys have, and, and the exposure because well, I also don't have the accolades that they that they made that kind of gets them that exposure. And definitely, I'm not on social media, so I, mm-hmm. I, I can't really. It has to grow organically through. Well, kind of like the way with Trez, the way you did it with with Andy. Say hey listen to this, listen to this shit and you'll, you'll, you'll like it. And that's the, really the only way, uh, or snipers hide. Are you guys on snipers hide? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm, yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Great. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I'm pretty quiet on there. I kind of sit in the background. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just, just watching from the shadows. Well, um, as you yeah, guys can tell, I don't, I don't have that ability. I do not have that ability <laughs> to sit by and be quiet and just listen. <laughs> Yeah, so no, I, I'm, I'm not really enjoy. It. Go ahead. I said I'm on there, but I'm not massively on there. Like I said, it's more I use it as a reference point if I need to find some guy or something like that. I'm not I'm not massive on uh, on diving into all the threads and in the bear pit and all the rest of it. Uh, but I have just downloaded the app, so I might start using it a bit more. So yeah, and that's the beauty of Sniper's Hide too. Um, I know people listen to this who maybe aren't on Sniper's Hide. They think that my podcast is like some big promo for for the hide, but it's really because I enjoy its resource of like, there's so many different things, whether it be if you're just there and you buy in and you can use the PX um, to, to be able to like buy used gear or sell your gear or whatever, or, uh, you know, load data, um, whether it be different styles of shooting or, you know, gunsmithing questions, you've got access to some of the brightest minds in, in our sport and hobby that we do, uh, whether it be the gunsmiths, whether it be, you know, the very, very accomplished, you know, shooters with far as reloading or (laughs) whether it be, you know, former or current, you know, military snipers or whatever. So you, you have, if, if you like that kind of stuff, and then you got some of the best competitors in the world on there as well. So if you're, you know, yeah. struggling with shooting a certain type of stage or, or something like that, there's someone there that can help. And, you know, yes, people get flamed and stuff for the, the same repetitive, like, Oh, 
a scope for a 308 for 1,000 yards. Like, well, I mean, what, what kind of question is that? But it gets asked all the time. But as far as something like, you know, how to how to do something, there the only dumb question is the one you didn't ask. And you, exactly. can, yeah. you can find out anything you want there. That's, that's why I love Sniper's Hide because of all of the different facets of what we love to do. There's something you can either learn or something you can – will help teach or something, anything like that. It's, it's all right there in one spot. And I, that's why yeah. I love it. But, um, anyway, moving on. So let's, uh, I've just, I've just looked, sorry, I've just looked through the episodes on, on Apple podcast. And the first ever episode I listened to on there was episode 25 with Eric Cortina. Dude. That's the first one I listened to. I, that was so, so, that blew my mind. I think that might be my biggest. I think that one has more downloads. It's either that one or the latest, the Theus Saga uh, episode with uh, with Brian and Dave. But those two are especially the the Cortina one. That one I think got more downloads than anything. Well, one because Eric Cortina's got a big following. I think he shared it. I don't know. I'm not on social media, whatever. But um, yeah, a lot of people were excited to hear that because at that time. At that time, it was uh, he was kind of getting his steam going on his YouTube channel with the reloading mm-hmm. stuff, and he had just kind of cranked up his uh, Patreon account for like, hey, I'll divulge everything it yeah. for the Patreon supporters. Which hey, that I would do that too if I had something to share like that. I, I, no. I would. I'd monetize that for sure. Um, but yeah. I, I think a lot of people were excited to, to listen to that. And, and I tell you, it was like a three hour, which I have a lot of three hour episodes, but I really mm-hmm. enjoyed doing that episode. I learned a lot. And, and I've said, mm-hmm. I've said in my other episodes in prior, um, I said, look, the guests that I have on, yes, of course, I want them to be interesting for the listeners, but selfishly they're fucking for me because I like to learn. <laughs> and, you know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like Hopefully, the people who I find interesting and something that I want to learn from, you will too. Yeah, you know what I'm saying that. That's my hope. Yeah, I don't. I don't think you've had anybody that isn't interesting on every single one of them. Warranted, it's, it's time that you've spent to make it. And the, like you said, every Cortina one, they was knowledge bombs. They was that. That looks a lot of what he said upset a lot of people and their mantras and their beliefs. And then when you know when it's he, what's good about Eric is he proves it in front of you as well, and he he stri- streamlines it down quite a lot. And yeah, that was a yeah. good one, man. You've had loads of good ones, though. Really, yeah. well, that, that I Eric appreciate that. Changed my reloading process. Yeah, well, changed mine, my reloading process so bad. Mine too. But like, he, he, I think he said when he buys a, a new box of the pua, he says he gets a knife, he opens it, he sizes it, and loads it. That's it. Done. <laughs> There's no case prep. That's it. Before you know, that, it's I was funny. You, I was, oh, it's funny you brought that up, Andy, because just recently on Sniper's Hide, there was a guy who who bought a hundred pieces of Lapua three hundred Norma brass, and he took pictures of the necks, and they were they were pretty yeah. they were dinged up, like they were Lapua brass right out of the box. They were dinged up, um, but he was like complaining. To the point of like, this is what I pay. I pay for. I shouldn't, you know, have have all these necks dinged up. And then, like a thousand people commented and said, 
Dude, you get a mandrel because you, regardless <laughs> if they were perfectly round or not, we know they got like fucking eight thousand neck tension. Like you need yeah. to, you need to mandle them anyway before you load them. Now that's if 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 you want to do anything, unless you have your load dialed already. But if you're if you're wanting to to develop a load, you need to mandle them anyway, regardless of. I don't care if it's Peterson. I don't care if it's uh, ADG. I don't care if it's Norma. I don't care if it's Lapua. Mandrel the shit out of them. That way they're all the same and they're appropriate yeah. for the bullet you're using, right? So yeah. if you mandrel them, then no problem. But I had made a comment because people were, he was talking about, you know, looking at Alpha. Alpha comes in these 100-round, like, uh was the MTM boxes that you would use for like, yeah. the, you know, whatever. That's great. That's mm-hmm. awesome packaging. The brass that I've had from them fucking sucked. So I, I made a, I made a, my comment was, I don't care if all of them were dinged up. I would rather have dinged up necks wrapped in. Cause they were t- complaining about the packaging, the blue box that had come in, how they're all loose and everything. Yeah. That's how they, that's yeah, how they dinged up. You had an asshole in the, in a, a UPS or a FedEx truck that was, you know, whatever. That's all it was. Exactly. Travis. So, uh, but I said, I'd rather have it wrapped in a newspaper that a bum wiped his ass with eating after eating four gas station burritos rather than shooting <laughs> alpha brass because the, I mean, the, I'm not trying to shit on alpha, but I, I hear that the new brass they've got, um, is a lot better, but the primer, regardless of how the brass performed, the fucking primer pockets are so goddamn tight. Like I, my hands were sore, dude. I was so I was priming the brass on my press at one point, and it was literally shaving cups, primer cups, on like three time fired brass. I'm like, this is bullshit. This is I no, I won't do this. We can't get it over here. You know, Andy runs a like a, a shooting store, uh, online shop, and you was trying to get it for a long time, weren't you, Andy? And you just can't yeah. get, get hold of any of it, no. Well, yeah, I was I was speaking to the guys at Alpha. Yeah, I was speaking to the guys at Alpha for quite a while. Uh, it must have been a six month process, and then we finally kind of got somewhere. and said, "Yeah, let's get it ex- exported," um, and it just never happened. And then radio silence. Um, I think they were, they were concentrating on their they've got their um, what is it ODG brass or something, isn't it? What's yeah, the new brass department. Yeah, which is their new things. So I think they were focusing on that. What cali- what caliber were you looking for? Six Dasher. Dasher. Because I've got a I've got a six Dasher currently sat in um in the the uh the bat machine offices ready to be exported. Uh <laughs> lengthy old process. But yeah I was trying to get brass for that for that basically. Well in in the thing the the all right you would think and I'm this. I don't want this to sound like me shitting on Alpha, but it kind of is me shitting on Alpha. But I, don't, I, it's I don't know. It's not a personal thing or anything. But I just have come through two different calibers of Alpha brass. And mind you, this was before there was an OCD like line of brass, whatever that supposedly is better than the original. I guess I, I don't know. Um, I hear it's better, but either way, I had twenty five Creedmoor brass and their Dasher brass. Mm-hmm. Um, the load changed on the, the pressure changed on the third firing of them, not to mention the primer pockets that we've already touched on, Mm. but 
you know, I, I couldn't get, I guess it did not have the case capacity that Lapua does. But also, if you don't have a, a reamer, like, do you know the dimensions of your dasher reamer? Like, what the neck is? What size the neck is on your dasher reamer? Uh, not offhand, but yeah, I can, I've got access to the to the measurements. Yeah. Well, you need which you know you're you're better off going with the pool anyway and just fire forming it out. Or uh, I don't know if you guys over there in the UK have a brass service provider, but we ha- here I've got at least two guys that I know um, that can uh, hydroform the brass. You know, virgin mm-hmm. brass hydroform it. Now, I had a hydroform die that I fucking hated i did like 13 it took me like an hour to do like 14 pieces of brass right and i was like this is for the fucking birds i'm not doing this shit so but there are you can send it to them or they may sell it like you buy it from them and they do it for you but it comes hydroformed it is freaking low development ready like bam it's done but luckily i've got um 200 cases of peterson six dash of brass coming over with the rifle so and I've heard very good things, so we'll see. The how Peterson, that goes. Yeah, the Peterson brass is good too, but the Peterson and and the reason why I mentioned the Reamer is because the Peterson as well. Peterson and Alpha have a larger neck diameter than Lapua brass does. So obviously Lapua yeah. doesn't make Dasher brass; they make their BR brass. And um, you know, but to me, if I was you know just F and send it brass company and was going to make Dasher brass, I would obviously take what is the staple, which is Lapua. Yeah. And then I would base my brass measurements off of it because for every one reamer that works for uh, Peterson and or Alpha, there's 15 yeah. that, that work for Lapua. Yeah. So they have a larger neck diameter. They didn't do that. But from what I hear, the Peterson brass is, is really good Dasher brass. Mm. But allegedly, I'm not, I probably shouldn't say this, but I had sent, I had someone from Capstone email me. Um, actually, he didn't email me. It was back when I was on social media. He sent me a message and asked me to send him three pieces of fired Lapua brass, Lapua Dasher brass. And they were, now, now he works for Capstone. And he was allegedly going to use that. Well, Capstone was going to use that to, I guess, start making Lapua Dasher brass, like factory. Oh, wow. da- that was almost two fucking years ago. And I don't know if that is, and I, it's been, I mean, I'm not on social media anymore, so I, he has no way of really contacting me, but it, uh, unless he listened to the podcast and, you know, saw the email um, address, but he, uh, I, I don't know if that's still in the works or not. There's, yeah, there, there's still mixed messages. We had, um, we did a, one of the shooting shows that Expos in the UK mm-hmm. and one of the, the Lapua reps was there. I spoke to him and I said, look, what's happening with six dash of brass? And apparently he said there was something happening, but then somebody else has been spoken to and they say no. So yeah. Well, that's uh, kind of been the consensus from day one is no, we make mm-hmm. BR brass. You make dash of brass out of our BR brass. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it took them a while to do this six PRC blast, didn't they? So, mm. yeah. I mean, I know there's, there's a, a, there's loads of cases. Isn't... Sorry, and uh, yeah, there's loads of cases that people people want Lapua to make. Like, I know the the S class guys; they all want um, seven wisdom brass. Yeah, because they have to use some rubbish Winchester stuff, and they said if if Lapua done that brass, then the you know the two eighty four Shahin and stuff like that. 
it would be no more. They'd, they'd all shoot seven wisdoms, and that's from a world world level FS shoot, shooter. That uh, he's actually our gunsmith, and yeah, he he was like, yeah, that's what I'd shoot. But until the poor do it, no one's going to shoot it because the brass lasts about two firings, and then it's scrap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and and I, I mean, Eric, he shoots for Capstone, and he shoots for Shaheen, and so. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if if they would come closer to shooting or, or making seven wisdom, or if they would make like Shaheen brass ready to rock and roll out of the two eighty four. I don't know either way. But I, what it comes down to is what I have made a bug a fucking promise to myself is that I will not ever shoot a caliber that Lapua does not make brass for, or I can't make out of Lapua brass like Dasher. Right. You know what I'm saying? I'm making it out yeah. of you know, out of uh, Lapua BR brass. Um, it's just, the, you're getting rid of potential problems. If I mean, you you know, okay, let's say if it's a Fireform uh, cartridge, like a Dasher or BRX or BRA or whatever, I, there will not be brass issues if you're nope. using Lapua brass. And uh, they, mm-hmm. they've just got, I don't know if it's their process. I don't know if it's their their measurements that they use. I don't, I don't know what it is, but the pull of brass is to me, there's no reason to buy anything else. I mean, like for my 25 Creedmoor, I mean, I've got Lapua brass that's formed for it, but I'm also shooting Hornady brass because it's easy. I got, I buy a bunch. Like I do not reload six Creedmoor. I do not. I refuse to load six Creedmoor because the, the factory ammo is good enough. I'm like, I don't enjoy reloading. I'd rather just grab a box and shoot the shit. Mm-hmm. If they made Dasher ammo that was the same price normally as, as like other calibers are, I would just shoot I would just shoot factory Dasher, but they don't yeah. do that. So uh but I will all I have to do is take a fired six Creedmoor case and it just so works out that my six five my twenty five Creedmoor Reamer is two thou longer headspace than um oh, nice. than yeah. that. And what hold on, I just got a notification running out of time. This meeting will end in ten minutes. What fuck you? <laughs> oh, oh wait, so I've got to oh shit. So I've got man, this I'm using Zoom and it's telling me that I need to like upgrade to a fucking pro Zoom account. What the fuck? Uh, I was in the licensing. Uh, fuck, I don't know. Hold on one second. I'm going to see. We're- Guys, we had a little we had a little bit of a technical difficulty there. Um, th- something messed up with Zoom that I was using, but I don't normally use. So we ended up having to switch over, uh, stop the conversation, switch over to uh Skype that I always use via my phone. Um, and where I don't know why the recording didn't start off where we had actually started on the second piece, but basically my question was like, what are your numbers like in the PRS UK? What are, how many members you have? And we get going from there about how many total members then into, uh, how many, our average match. So, uh, sorry for the de- technical difficulties, but you didn't miss much. I'm covering it all here, and um, the rest of the podcast goes flawless. So, appreciate it, guys. Pull probably a hundred active 
precision rifle shooters in the UK. One hundred. That's, that's it. That's competitors. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And, that, and, and they won't. They won't all shoot at the same time. Some will shoot with other with um, uh, other matches. Um, we we get a steady number of hours, but yeah, but there's a pool of about a hundred active precision rifle shooters in the UK, which is in comparison to this. I mean, you guys. I mean, the the K and M precision match last weekend was what two hundred and fifty competitors. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> yeah, that's a, well, yeah. that's also uh, to be fair. That's also not a. That's not a fair comparison. That match in particular is not a fair comparison. But, like, yeah, you, you can go, yeah. like, right now, actually, currently as we're talking, um, one of my home ranges is uh, Pig River Precision, and he's holding his uh, called the Ham match. And there's 161 shooters there this weekend, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I mean, it's, it's not going to be as big as K&M's matches are, but it's – it's a big southeast match for sure, um, and we've got guys from all over there shooting it right now. Um, but yeah, it's that. I mean, that is a more of a fair comparison of a a big match yeah. that's not K and M. K and M. They, I mean, it's the it's the the home of the PRS now, and I mean, yeah. even before Shannon bought the PRS, it was. I mean, with what him and Brian Morgan had had done with K and M in Tennessee, it's. It's still, it's always, since its real inception, it's been a uh, a destination, if you will, a match to shoot. So, yeah, but k is not a good comparison. But, yeah, uh, 100 for a two-day national-level match, uh, 100 to 150, 160, that's, that's mm-hmm. about average, depending on where it is in the country. I mean, oh, okay. the UK is a lot smaller, too, so it's yeah. not. Yeah. Uh, wait, off the top of your head, the furthest – the furthest point in England to the opposite side. How long of a drive would that be? John O'Groats to Penzance. Land's End. Uh, yeah, about about. Hours. yeah, that's nothing. So no. you, yeah, could, yeah, that's you guys could pull. That's that's a good thing, though. I mean, for what you're talking about. I mean, for what, what we're talking about, that's not a bad thing because you can get the same shooters um, – that to compete in all of the matches. So it's, it's the equivalent of really like shooting matches in my state alone. You know what I'm saying? So you guys can get, and it's just, well, you obviously have less people and less shooters and everything. So you, you, you never want to fall victim. You guys particularly do not ever need to fall victim to wanting to match the numbers. You can't do it unless you're pulling people from outside the UK if you're now, mind you, you got Europe in general. Well, that's different. The problem with that is, yeah. is I mean, with between state to state here in the U.S., which we still we still have issues too. I can't take my suppressors and shoot in a match in New York State. They won't allow it, right? Mm-hmm. But I can go shoot in New York State. I can't take my twelve round magazines in New York State, but I can go shoot in New York State. Whereas you guys. There may be a whole other list of hurdles to jump over coming from a, a maybe an Italian shooter coming to you guys, right? That's a lot different than someone that's in the UK shooting in the UK. No, yeah. I mean, I can imagine. So, like, Andy, you're, you know this a bit better than this. We have a lot of lads come over from Ireland. Yeah. And it is so easy to come and shoot in the UK. That's awesome. It is so easy, like... There's no um, silo suppressors. You're actively encouraged 
to get them over here. So well, they want you to have them. And that to me is, and that that to me is one of the biggest common sense aspects that the UK has over the US. Because who wants, basically, you guys deem it as noise pollution. I don't blame mm-hmm. you. The, a muzzle brake yeah. sucks as far as listening to one. I mean, they suck. And But mm-hmm. here, it's more so, maybe it's because we have a lot more, lot more rural areas that we're doing this in. But not only that, but our dumbasses in Washington, they, they watch, you know, John Wick, and they think, you know, a 308 shooting a supersonic round goes pew-pew. And they don't. They're they're mm-hmm. worried about. They're worried about getting smoked. Is what it is. That, yeah, that, yeah. That's what their most. I guess probably their biggest thing is. Maybe I don't know, but the the difference, and we're, we're, well, I'm sure we'll get into this too. About while it's on my mind, I want to say this: is the difference between the U.S. and the U.K. is that the U.S. was born out of blood, out of conflict, mm-hmm. right? So. I, I believe we just have that. Maybe we have that bone in us that if shit got real bad, that's what we're going to. And they, and, and mm-hmm. the people of that power don't want that shit, right? They, they would rather have nice. I don't know. No subjects that are obedient, you know, and mm-hmm. we, 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 our country was born out of disobedience. And yeah, that's that that's to me is what is different between the U.S. and literally everywhere else in the world. You know, we were mm-hmm. born born out of disobedience, and so I believe we have that maybe that tendency to resort back to that. At least I hope so. At least yeah. I, I I know I do. But I, as far as the general consensus, I hope you know, you know here in America that that's what it gets to. It's last it's last option for you, isn't it? It's. It, you know, we look across the pond at you guys and with a uh, with a lot of envy. Um, but at the same time, we what we have is what we have. We've never known any anything other. Yeah. So, how can you complain about something that you don't you don't know how to complain about it because you you can't you know you can't compare it to something? Cause you have, you have, saying no, that right, you have but, no precedent. You have no precedent to look back on. And, and yeah, exactly. To, yeah, understood. I, yeah. I completely understand that. I mean, I'd love yeah. to be able to go out buy whatever weapon system I wanted to buy, or blah blah blah. Yeah. But, you know, um, it is what it is, and I'm of the remit that you can't change what's been and gone. So, why are you going to argue about something that you can't change? Just either, if you're going to change it, do something about it, or if you're not going to do things about it, just shut up and put up and just get on with it. And um, unfortunately, we can't change our gun laws over here. If anything, the gun laws are only going to get worse. Um, So let's protect what we have and not let it get any Any more extreme. Yeah. Yeah. Stop the Yeah, and that's that's what we try to do now. I had big hopes for you guys when Boris Johnson got elected. I mean, I th- I thought that that was going to be okay. Hey, let's let's change some shit we got going over there because I mean, if in t- I mean, I, I may be wrong in this, but I feel like if things get better at other places, that it it can only get better here as well. You know what I'm saying? I mean, 
even in my lifetime, I'm, I'm 35 years old. I'll be 36 in July. Uh, I, I have, have witnessed changes in, in laws and, and, and it not obviously not to, to the extent of depending on where you live in the country. Now, if you lived in States like New Jersey or New York or definitely California, that shithole over there, um, mm-hmm. or other places like that, Illinois, you, I mean, the citizens there, the residents there definitely have seen huge changes to their life as far as, you know, their firearms and everything. Uh, mm-hmm. Where in North Carolina, where I'm at, I don't really know of any real laws that have changed, but I, I, I'm visually seeing what's going on in the rest of the country. You know what I'm saying? And so, and I feel like with this latest fucking shooting down in Texas, mm-hmm. I believe it's it, there. They're licking their chops, rubbing their hands together, waiting over uh, still warm corpses to to further mm-hmm. infringe on our rights that we have, you know. And they they don't understand. Yeah. They don't understand. They, I think they do understand. I don't want. I don't think they want the general public to to realize they understand of what our Second Amendment, what it was for. It was for you guys, mm-hmm. like them. I was like, it's for them. Like, <laughs> it was it was not a granting of rights to us. It wasn't. That's not what the Second Amendment was. The Second Amendment in the Constitution in general, our U.S. Constitution, was basically a memo to the government of, hey, these are the things you aren't going to touch. Not this is what we're giving the people. This, yeah. it, it was more so of a, a notice putting our government and future government on notice of you aren't going to touch these things, our right of yeah. free speech. And then if, yeah. if, if the free speech doesn't work, their right to bear arms. Cause that will work. You mm-hmm. know, you know what I'm saying? And it, that, yeah. that's what, yeah. that's what people in the U S not even just out of the U S maybe like the, the rest of the world, Maybe because they maybe not they don't have the constitution that we have. I mean, almost every country has a constitution of some sort, uh, but ours was ours is different because, like I said, it wasn't a list of rights or freedoms granted. Because if you grant someone freedom, you can revoke it. That yeah, it's like a dictatorship, then, isn't it? It, yeah. it, it is. Well, I mean, and think of think of a a driver's license. A license is something that is given to you or granted to you. I don't have a I don't have a license to for my Second Amendment. It nope. no the Second Amendment was written of hey motherfuckers you aren't going to touch this because this is a a a fail safe in case you try to do some shit that we don't agree with in this country. That's what that was, and I don't know that any other country mm-hmm. in the world has that. And that's why so many other countries like Hong Kong, especially Taiwan, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Even, even people in Iran, they they look uh-huh. at North Korea, they look to us, they'll hold our flag, they'll sing our national. I, I do. It brought me to fucking tears back uh, a year ago or so when uh, when there was the the giant protest in Hong Kong, you know, against the CCP. Because they were they were invoking our name, they're invoking our flag, they're invoking our um, national anthem 
as a beacon, a symbol of freedom of what they for what they want. Dude, it brought me to fucking tears. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it to me what the most sickening thing that I I see today is the American people that don't recognize that. The A to don't recognize that, but B don't care about that. I'm like, do you I realize what we have is what the rest of the world wants? And you're willing to fucking piss it away like a drunken sailor instead of hold on to it for dear fucking life that yeah. I know that I would give my life for. Like this like that. No questions asked. I I would do that because I think of the country of which I want my six-year-old son to grow up in. And I'm yeah. already, I'm already terrified of the country that we are today, what he's going to grow up in, because it's nothing like what I grew up in. And so you guys in the UK, I, I can only imagine, like, you, you. it's what you said, Trez, you nailed it. It's like, if that's what you was what you've only known, then how do you... Mm-hmm expect more of than what you've already known. And I, I completely sympathize with that. I get it. And, you know, I, I wish for my sake and, and for your sake in the rest of the world that there would be some, I don't fucking know, a great awakening, if you will, of, hey, you've gotten to talking to your perspective government of whatever country you're in, you've gotten too big. You've gotten too powerful because without us, you are nothing. Yeah. And I, 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 that that would be, even if it didn't happen here, just happening around the rest of the world, it would just completely make, it would make me, give me all the, the, the warm and fuzzy feels because it's, it's basically the American spirit spreading throughout the rest of the world. And I saw a little bit oh, of my- that during COVID. I saw a little bit of that for you guys, the protests you guys do. I saw some dudes going straight fucking ham in, in the UK over these protests, the, what do y'all call them? The yellow vests and shit like that over there. Italy. Oh, that was France. Well, France and in Italy too. Yeah. But yeah, I saw yeah, some yeah. shit they in went. the UK. Yeah, they went big ham. They went big crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and you guys too. Though. I saw like just just hordes of people at like I forgot what municipal building it was, but I was like, holy shit, yo, they're about to go fucking ham over yeah, there. Yeah, there was. Yeah, it's all in London. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it was crazy. Actually, Dude, you have no idea of the, the what that made me feel like seeing that over there mm-hmm. for you guys because I wish the entire world could could feel the same, uh, I guess, not just patriotism because you have patriotism and you should, but have that 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 self-awareness of hey you are nothing without us the people mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying to your governments like you, you are nothing you have you have the power of what we have given you and and that, that is exactly what it should be yes and, but not but people don't think it, the people that you do elect in don't think that that is correct do they and well, the people that we elect here don't feel that way i mean so don't feel nope. too bad because we got, we got Bamas over here that I mean, there's very few. Even the ones, even the ones that in their campaign trails preach that that they are the ones like, hey, you, you, we the people, you know, all, all this stuff, dude. As soon as they get elected, no, dude. As soon as they get elected, they're they're wearing the same hat as all them other fucking commies over there in, in Washington, dude. Yep. They're they're the same people. Uh-huh. You're just you. You rode a train in that you didn't plan on staying on. You rode the train mm-hmm. of freedom 
into Washington that you're going to hop off and do the Washington thing. I see it every year, every two years, every four years. I see somebody else and like, oh, here we go. Yep, go ahead, wave that American flag. Go ahead and say, hold up your AR-15 and say, we the fucking people, all this shit. You can say it all you want, but I know exactly what's going to happen the day you win and the day you step foot in Washington. You're going to become part of the swamp that is no different than anybody else. And we've seen it time and time again to where like, oh, okay, this person was a part of the Freedom Caucus, and this person, you know, was whatever, fucking touted the GOA and well, the NRA fucking sucks. Don't get it twisted over there. I don't know how y'all feel about the NRA here. They fucking suck. They're horrible. And all right. We, we're, um, we're, we're seeing you from the same hymn sheet there. We've got an our NRA. Yeah. yeah I know you're it's, saying, it's yeah. horrible over here too. They suck. They, they do nothing, but they peddle our rights away and, and take money and think they're, you know, they're basically, they're Kings of pissing on your neck and telling you that it's raining. That's what the NRA is. <laughs> But they'll do yeah. that, and then as soon as some bill, which we're really about to see because they're, they're Congress here because of that stupid fucking shooting in Texas, they are uh, cooking up shit they've already had written for years. They're just waiting for the right mass shooting right to, to, put it, to put it into place. Right into pants. We will see people's true colors when we see names voting for these bills, and that's what I'm scared of. Oh, We'll be yeah. watching intensely of that because it's but how you got to realize is that we, we follow you as regards like gun related anything really. Um, so if something gets affects you guys, then two years down the line, it's going to drip feed down to us and then we're going to get worse. And if I don't know, say our government sees your government do something drastic, they'll go, Well, there you go. This is our, uh, the this is our chance it. to, yeah, the to Americans do it. did it. Yeah, we should do it too. Yeah, well, yeah. look, and it's crazy because that I, I agree that that's probably true, but it's weird how it works inversely, too. We just had our fucking potato in chief down in New Zealand talking to that cunt down there and uh, asking him to say that we need your help. Show us the way. Bitch, fuck you. We are not looking at New Zealand for the way we need to treat guns and firearms here in the United States, Okay. It, it, it the way it's supposed to be is the way you said it. The rest of the world looks at us. We don't need to go to some commie fucking dictator down in New Zealand that she is. She she showed her true colors after that uh, that um, uh, Muslim mosque shooting. Mosque. Yeah, that yeah. and COVID. We don't need to see look to anybody for ideas of how to run our country here. That's the beauty. What is supposed to be America is we in theory, do what is best for Americans and, and, and set kind of set the precedent for the rest of the world to look to us to do for in the name of freedom. Because, But here we got this fucking asshat in Washington, which money is never in Washington. He's in freaking Delaware, that shithole state, um, where he's from. And he, he's trying to literally peddle our rights away to the rest of the world. And, do, you, do you know what he looks like from the outside, Biden? That and I had I, I, mean, I want to ask you. That's one of the questions I want to ask you. What? Not just Biden, but just the current, I mean, current situation I, here. I ain't gonna. I'm gonna be absolutely, totally honest with you. Please, Trump. Trump was what he was saying. What people was thinking, but the way he said it made him out to be a bit of a dick. And that's how that's coming from someone who is 
I'm not right wing. I'm not left. I'm probably central right. Yeah. So when I look across the pond and I see Trump saying some stupid shit, like all the time. Obviously, we we only get what we get fed. We don't know BBC all context to it. Yeah. Yeah. BBC stuff, and that's very much a, a left wing. Uh, not left-wing, but left-sided news company in the UK. Yeah. Um, but, and then Biden comes along, and then we see this old man, and he he looks frail, he mumbles his words, he looks... If he can even formulate a sentence. If he can, even well, yeah, if he can I mean, do that. Do you, do you know what, he, do you know what, to me, it makes you look weak. Absolutely, it does. It, Dude, weak is, is being nice. <laughs> It, it to me it looks it's, like it's strange. makes us like ripe for the picking is what it looks like. That's why. Let me ask you this: Do you think if if Orange Man Trump had been in office, do you think Russia would have pulled the no. shit they pulled? No, 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 not, no, not, a, not a fucking not chance. A chance. Would you? I, I would you think I, that I had this conversation. Go ahead. Sorry, go on. I had this conversation yesterday with with my father-in-law actually about old uh, Sleepy Joe, and I said that it's it's just it's a sad state of affairs. And he said he said, "Oh, well, Trump wasn't any better." And I said, "Well, you know, technically he was. You know, the things um, from I mean, obviously, as close as we get fed, what we're fed, but from a financial point of view, from Absolutely. a political point of view, things were much, much, much better in the US when he was in charge. He was the orange man and he's a, he did he said some real stupid shit. But the US was in a better position and you can guarantee that the Russian thing would not have happened. One hundred percent not happened. Well the way not just that, but uh Xi Jinping also would not be, you know, licking his chops looking at Taiwan either. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Which he's always wanted that but yeah. never had the balls to really do anything about it because well he knew that there would definitely be repercussions. Now there is no repercussions. He we, all he had to do was look at Afghanistan, the pull out the debacle of a pullout. Look, coming yeah. from someone who thinks we should have pulled out of out of Afghanistan in like oh three. Oh four, that should have happened. But you go and you go. We basically have billions and billions, trillions of dollars of infrastructure that we have built over the last twenty years there, and then you leave eighty billion dollars worth of hardware that you are giving to some the most evil entity on the planet. Now they're like the thirteenth largest freaking uh, um, armed entity in the world. You know, it, yeah, really? dude, fuck yeah, they got damn Blackhawks, they got drones, weaponized drones, they've got all the small arms. I knew it was get. a lot, but I didn't realize it was, dude, it was to yeah, that extent. Yeah, bro, it's like, the, uh, they were like the 13th largest armed force in in the world. Okay? That's bigger than most governments. Shit. That's how much shit we left over there for them. And it ain't gonna be but a matter of time before we, we see some of that shit pop up over here or in other parts of the world our shit pop mm. up in the hands of, of those assholes. But all they had to do was look at that and be like, oh, fuck, hell yeah, this is perfect. Now I'm going to go into Ukraine. And then Xi Jinping saying, I'm going to go into Taiwan as soon as I watch the Russia-Ukraine thing play out. And it, it's just absolutely absurd. And not to mention the, the lives of people lost in that whole process of Afghanistan. Senseless. So the way it way it way it was with Trump in, 
the whole world could laugh at us because, I mean, no one understood what the taste of a shoe was like more than Trump because it was a literal open mouth insert foot moment every day. I completely agree. Someone <laughs> should have taken his fucking phone away from him, him sitting on the shitter uh, or eating Taco Bell or whatever, tweeting some dumb shit. I agree. It, it was it was crazy. But at the end of the day, if you have a world summit, okay, and you've got all the leaders of the rest of the world there, yeah, they could say, yeah, Trump's going to say some dumb shit, but I ain't going to cross the motherfucker. Nope. I'm not going to no, cross yeah. him because nope. I don't know what this Bama is going to do. Or I know what he's capable of, and I know he would do it. Um, that in and of itself is invaluable. Whereas mm-hmm. now they know the absolute geriatric fuck that we've got in office who don't know if he's coming or going and shitting his pants in front of the Pope. And all the, and they know, like, oh, absolutely. First of all, he's not even pulling the strings there. But he also does not have the taste nor the testicular fortitude to do anything. Now, is that me saying I think that we should have American boots over there in Ukraine? Absolutely not. Hell no. Fuck no, no, I'm not saying that. But that's the beauty of being coming from a place of strength. You don't have to. You don't have to put boots down because they're not even going to attempt this shit anyway. How long do you look? I was in... I was in Slovakia when, like, literally the day and time of when Putin invaded Crimea. I had no idea what was going on. I, I did the math of where I was. I was in Verbove, Slovakia. I think it was like 1,700 kilometers. That's it from Crimea. All right. Okay. No. Yeah. Guess who was president? It won't Trump. It won't even Bush, which I hated Bush Obama. too. It was Obama. And he. Mm-hmm. That And then you had Obama getting caught on a hot mic saying, hey, after my reelection, I can be a lot more flexible with, you know, two, uh, I forgot his name, the whoever the Russian uh, ambassador was, or whoever the fuck it was. Someone speaking on behalf of Russia. Obama was caught on a hot mic for that. So they know, depending on who is in office, of what they can get away with. None of this yep. shit. You, you're There's trying no to tell me that, yeah. You, you're trying to tell me that Putin didn't have the ability to do what he's done in Ukraine back when, in say 2018, when Trump was in office. Fuck yeah, he did. He could have done that. He didn't. He wouldn't. So they they waited. For I mean, the right Obama didn't look so bad as what Biden does, though. Dude, as as much as I hate to admit it, you're a hundred percent correct. Uh, he didn't because well. He knew how to still tie his shoes. Where Biden's got to wear fucking Velcro shoes. So, <laughs> but also, it, you know, now I really think, which is sad, as far as the biggest policy things that are happening now, I think the White House is being fed these things from the Obama camp. I, so I think we've got a third term of Obama right now. It's just he's not in the White House, um, mm. because, because half of the crap that's going on. Biden just does what he's told. He's literally, someone has got their hand up his asshole and making his mouth move like that. That's, that's what's going on. So. What's that? Is it that woman? Is it Kamala? Kamala Harris. Look, don't be fooled. She ain't one to call into the shots either because she's too fucking stupid as well. Like she is, she is dumber than a bucket of shrimp is just plain and simple what it is. And all she cares about is her next campaign. 
and 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 rubbing elbows with the celebrities and the she she is has making, nothing making her pockets. She, yes, she has got nothing to do with anything. Obviously, she can't even mm-hmm. handle what Biden has given her to handle. She can't even do that. She's not pulling any strings of anything. She's just there because, uh, let's face it, he Joe had said during the campaign when he won, actually before he had won his primary, uh, you know, he had said that his running mate will be a a a woman and a woman of color. Well, she couldn't even pull a a full percentage. Not a she couldn't mm-hmm. pull a single percentage point of support in the primaries. But she was there. She was in the face of the cameras. Box ticking. But she just ticked the box. That's it. And that's and, and that's, that's what it is. And she it, she ticked the box of what he needed. It's really difficult. I I grew up in um in called Birmingham and um, I'd say 60% of my friends was all mixed race or black sure. and I speak to them about like how I say um, should there be a person of colour or a woman in board uh, in board meetings on boards of these big companies and stuff and they're like no if they're not good enough to if they're not good enough to be in that position and why should there be and that's what Biden's done because of the, the woke culture that is his support sees it as a woman tick person of colour tick bingo I'm in that and right. that and that's it how, has that's a, how it, a wee bit of name looks. recognition too that's it I, I, you have the slightest yeah. bit of name recognition That that's all it took to get her where mm-hmm. she is today yeah. and coming from there's also a woman who in front of tens of millions of people basically accused Biden of being a freaking racist during the primaries, the whole busing yeah. situation. Like how to me on either side, how, how, how as Biden or the Biden camp, how do you like basically swallow that load and ask her to be your running mate? And then also on her side, how do you accept the request or the offer from someone whom you apparently, allegedly, you said you think is a racist. How, how does that, if you thought, if you, unless it was all bullshit, which we know it was, how does that even work out? How does that dynamic ever play out right? It doesn't. So it, it's, it, it's it all no, games. No, no. It's no. games. It's all it is. Yeah. But you know, here, here we are. But the reason why the difference is between what you said, the people that you know, that you talked to, ask them that question about, about you know people uh, people of color being appointed or chosen for certain positions in said companies, the reason why they feel that way is because it's a it's possible that in even in the UK as 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 liberal as a whole as the the government and and maybe the population is, you haven't been fed the you're a victim spoonful as much as here where they make no, professional no. victims. You're a professional victim here if if you check those right boxes. And so and 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 then you ha- but the the good thing is that we have people of all different creeds, races, religions that see through it. Like, hey, yeah. I see what you're trying to feed me. I'm not a victim of anybody. I made myself from from nothing. No, I have nobody to 
to O for what I have built in my life. And I also was, I was not, I'm not a victim here. I am. Look at me, what I've done. Um, a victim of all these things. If, if what you're saying is true, I wouldn't be here. And that's, that's the, the biggest hope in, in, in America, I should say the world too, but especially cause it's such a rampant problem here of, you know, for the future as hopefully people realize you're not a victim. If you're a victim, it's because you've allowed yourself to be, and you have perpetuated that where, Hey, when we all, yes, some people start in different positions in life because of what their families have done prior to them. Uh, yeah, you got a trust fund baby over here. Um, yeah, maybe he's going to have a little bit of a leg up over someone that was born like in a freaking ghetto, but that's the beauty of America is a land of opportunity. That's why we have such a freaking illegal immigration problem. If it's so bad here, why are they coming here? No, if you ask yeah. them, they're like, I'm coming here to, to, for the American dream. But if you ask the people in power, there is no American dream. Or the, if there is one, it's let the government take care of you. That's not the American dream. The people that are coming across the majority, not. Not, I'm not going to say all, but there's a lot of the American, I mean, excuse me, of the uh, people that are coming across our border, it's the people saying, hey, I know what America is like. I know what it's about. And I want that. And I want to go there and start a business. I want to go and start a family. I, you know what I'm saying? It's if that, if these things that the government is saying are true, what would be happening down that down in our Southern border? Wouldn't be happening. No. It, it wouldn't be happening. And, and, no, but they, they don't want to look at it that way. They're like, Oh no, it's only because of the cartels and stuff like that. It's not that their economy is shit. Um, their 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 way their uh, quality of life is shit down there, and they come here because they know with the work ethic they may have that they can actually make something of themselves, and that's what makes America so great. And you know, as far as the border goes, that's a whole nother podcast. But it to me, I, I think it is like obviously it's not a country without a border. It has to be secured you can't just have anybody and everybody hell we just found out we got we just we just foiled thank god the the fbi finally did something worth a fuck that they foiled some plan this terror a terrorist plot from people coming over to southern border they're not mexican they're not south american no they're 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 hajis coming over here because they know the borders wide oh, open. Right. yeah and they, they said there's 42 other people that come across the border that were going to be involved in this all right, so great. But in the same token, I do think it should be easier to become an American citizen. Meaning, like I've, I've said in the podcast before, I've got a friend, uh, Sergio, down in Mexico who's very, does very well for himself. We used to buy, he sells working dogs. We used to buy dogs from him. Mm-hmm. He makes tons of money down in Mexico. But he's tried to become an American citizen for years, and like it's just the red tape, red tape, red tape. He's the type of guy that you want to be here because he's going to stimulate the economy. He's not coming here looking for a handout. He's a already he's a self-made and already self-made person looking to come here. But yet he can't do it because he's actually trying to do it the right way. Whereas, you know, whoever else just wants to come across, walk across the Rio Grande, uh, they they get the red ca- carpet rolled out for him. Where, you know, yeah. the guy that we actually want can't. So we, I, I, we have the same issue over here, but they're, they're not trying to cross the Rio Grande. They're trying to cross the English Channel, and you know we have people. 
I mean, I don't know if you've seen much on the news, but they they leave from France in ribs, mm-hmm. and the second the rib gets in trouble, the coast guard goes and picks them up, brings them here, and then they're in. Yeah, they're in. They're in. Yeah, they're in. They get they they get about ten miles off the coast of France. They do a SOS signal, and that's it. Yeah, they don't yeah. even have the ability, nor they even go into it with the intention of making it all the way across. No. <laughs> they just need to make it far no. enough to get picked up. No. <laughs> they probably didn't even have enough fuel in the engines to get it across the channel. And it, they know it, that. It, they it, they don't need I to. mean, uh, in the in the summer when the obviously the seas are real, real cold around us all, all throughout the year, especially the winter. But um, in the summer, uh, how many people are crossing uh, a day? About a thousand oh, people a day are trying. They turned turned away something like in one day turned away something like forty boats or something stupid. I can imagine. A we, so you got to, yeah, but you got to look at like in comparison. I guess it's all really a thousand people a day, dude. We're getting tens of thousands a day coming across. Is that what it's like, bro? You know that it is wicked. It is. It is. Wait, uh, this year we are already here. We are the 5th of June, we've already surpassed what the whole last year was as far as really? illegal crossings. Yeah. And, and, and believe me, here, here's how to fix it. Here's, here, here's how to fix it. At least here is if you want to come to the U S great, we'll take you. But guess what? For the first 10 years that you're here. Well, first of all, we're going to know you're here. You're not going to come here in the middle of the night across the border. No, you're going to come mm-hmm. through a controlled point. You're coming in. We're going to know who you are. We're going to know where you're going. But for the first 10 years, you are not able to vote. Period. You're not, you're not able to vote on local dog catcher. You can't vote for anything. Okay? Mm-hmm. You will not be eligible for any type of government assistance. Okay? When, yeah. we, have, when we have people here that are born and bred here in America – whether it be veterans or whether they're not veterans. It doesn't matter who they are, but they're born Americans. Their parents were Americans. Their grandparents were Americans. When they are having problems getting, you know, food for the next day, we don't need to be giving money and, and uh, debit cards to people, drop them off on buses that we just picked up from the border, drop them off at Walmart with a debit card with $300, $500 on it, and said, hey, go get what you need and, and then go. Then go go where you may. Mm-hmm. No, that does not that does not need to happen. If you come here, we're going to know where you are. You're not going to be able to vote, and you're not going to get any government assistance of any sort. Your kids will be educated. They will learn English. You will learn English. All that you do this, and a lot of it will stop. But what doesn't stop will be made better by the in game repercussions of what happens by them coming here. Okay. There's, there's, look, there are jobs that need to be filled that for some reason Americans think that they are above. Well, we need people to fill them. Yeah, we need to fill those jobs. If that's from someone from Mexico City or from, you know, wherever, I'm okay with that. We need those jobs. Okay, filled. yeah. If you want to work, work. Work, yeah. But, yeah. You, but you're not all, you know, here's the thing what actually happens is they work off the books, yet, are also yeah. on the books for government assistance. So they're double dipping. They're working. Mm-hmm. The government doesn't know they're working, or nor do they even really care if they're working. But they're working, getting a, a, a life's wage, but also receiving full benefits as though they're not working. Okay? Yeah. That does not need to happen. 
And it happens. No. Here's the, being honest. It happens with Americans as well. There are Americans who do the same thing, and that stops. It stops across the board. It doesn't just stop with them. It stops across the board. If that happens, our situation is going to be much better. And but you don't. The people that make those decisions don't want that to happen because they don't want to de-incentivize people coming here. They want them to come here and immediately vote in the very next election because they're going to say, hey, they're going to remember who brought them here, who allowed them in, and keep mm-hmm. us in power. Yeah. The problem is, depending yeah. on the country they come from, and even so, depending on the people that they are, they actually hold a lot more conservative values than they do liberal values. Believe me, someone coming from Cuba leaving communism doesn't give a shit about your purple hair Taliban that thinks they're uh, uh, they identify as a, uh, a, a non-binary pineapple that day. They don't give a fuck about that. But, yeah. and so that's, that's where I believe the left is going to kind of, it's going to backfire on them a little bit. Um, it's not going to be this full, full swoop of all of these new Democrat votes. No, they're fixing rigging election machines to do that. But they're not getting it. They're actually, there's a lot, you know what? Trump had more, had a larger Hispanic vote in the second election than he did in his first election. What does that mean? That means the Hispanic community, A, either grew and they, they voted because that's the way they felt, or they saw what the alternative is and they preferred Trump, you know, Mean, mean tweet guy yeah. over the the other option. So the old man, yeah, right. And and that's, I guess that's the only silver lining that I see in that right now. But dude, we can have a whole podcast on this shit. I had, I was, oh, yeah, I was the- going to go over that with you guys, <laughs> but it just kind of organically happened, which is awesome. I'm glad it did. Um, all right, let's get into, uh, I guess, kind of on the same topic though, like the gun culture as a whole. Um, you know, obviously we know that you guys have a lot, you know, more stringent gun laws and, than, than we do here for now, at least. Um, but tell me what it's like to, okay, you are on YouTube and you see a PRS match and you want to get started in, in doing this sport. Obviously it's a lot different and harder to do than getting into say darts, but tell me what it, what it takes to, to get what you need, whether it be the gun whether it be the ammo, whether it be the scope, suppressors, barrels, whatever. If you wanted to do this, walk me through it. Just because I'm I'm interested to know. Do you want to take this one, on? Yeah. Uh, so firstly, in the in the UK, you have to have some valid reason to own a firearm. That's that's the the main thing. You have to have a, a, a tangible, valid reason for owning a firearm. Now, whether that hunting, um, the, sport. Yeah, whatever. Exactly. Yeah, so hunting, uh, varmint, sort of, sort of fox control, uh, sport, whatever it may be. You need to apply to the local constabulary that you, that you reside in. So, for instance, I'm in the Midlands of the UK. My local constabulary is Derbyshire Police. Okay. So, you apply to them. You say, I want to get a firearm. They'll quiz you. They'll come around. They'll interview you. They'll make sure that you've got an appropriate place to store the firearm. Um, that'll take however long. They'll do a medical background check. Um, basically make an assessment and then say yes or no, effectively. But you you have to have a valid reason. So the valid reason is either the environment in the hunting or whatever it may be. So let's say you go stalking, you're a deer stalking, you need to have um, some proof that you're doing that. 
Um, and then you will be, if you're granted that, you'd be limited to stalking with that rifle. Um, if you want to do environment control or anything like that, you'd need to have land to be able to shoot over. So for instance, the local farmers, you can get permission to shoot on there. You'd have to have a base land, which then cleared up to the caliber, which you're allowed to shoot. And this will get real detailed really quick, just to warn you. Um, if you do target shooting, you need to be a member of a club. Um, you need to do a probationary period, which is about six months normally. Um, and then you'll need to provide that as proof to the local constabulary, probably using like a club gun or something. Um, it, it's all based around valid reason. You have to have one to apply for and get get a firearm. Once you've got it, it's pretty plain sailing. You know, it's pretty lax. You can shoot it on ranges. You can shoot it on land cleared and suitable, cleared by uh, the local constabulary, as long as it's cleared for that caliber. Um, you can shoot it um, in on private land if you've got the permission as well. So obviously, there's, there's that. Or, or if you're a but, landowner yourself, right? If you if you own the land, it's is there is there less yeah. to is there less to be involved if you are the landowner yourself than it is if you're just getting permission, or is it the same regardless? It, it's, it's kind of the same. Um, the permission is the permission. Um, you have to have somebody come around and inspect it to make sure that it's suitable. They'll they'll clear it. They, they used to do it slightly differently. That so, so let, let's take an example. So I I want to shoot foxes. I want to do fox control, and I've got a farmer which has a problem. Um, the firearms officer will go up, inspect the land, and they say, okay, well the maximum caliber we feel suitable on this is two two three, for instance. Okay. Um, or they'd ask you what you want to get, and you say, "I want to get two, two, three, or I want to get two, four, three, or something like that." And they'll, and they'll try and bunch you down. Now, regardless, they will always clear the lands to the maximum physical caliber that they are happy with that to be shoot to, to shoot over. Sure. So, for instance, the farm, the farm which I have permission on, literally opposite my house, currently, because the previous person who was shooting on that land with the old system, he had a triple two. It's only cleared to that caliber. Oh. But because I've now said, well, come on. Um, my experience is this. I reload all my ammo. I've got several several rifles that do this. I've been shooting this long, et cetera, et cetera. My firearms officer is now going to go over there and make sure it's cleared to the maximum possible caliber. Right. So that should be three, that should be 308 on that land. So there's a few hoops you have to jump through. And then... Once you've got that, if you want to get a new rifle, you have to apply for a variation to your, to your, your firearms license in order to be able to own that. And obviously, you, you need to make sure your baseline is either covered for that caliber or you have somewhere to shoot it, be that a target range, a gallery range, or a steel range or something in, in the UK, um, or a home office proof club. And then you have to be a membership there. And have, it, it, it's, it's, there's hoops to jump through. But once you do get there, it is relatively easy. It's not as strict as countries like Germany. We don't have to do tests for hunting. We don't have to do tests for uh, to hold powder or buy projectiles. Um, suppressors are classed as a firearm. So if you want to get a suppressor, you have to physically apply for it to be added to your license unless you've already done so when you get your original firearm. So that has to have a serial number. So that's treated as a firearm. Unless it's for a rimfire, then they're always treated as firearms. <laughs> it's a bit backward. But once you get there, it, it is a lot easier. Um, and once, generally, your local constabulary will get to know you as well. So, for instance, they know me by name because I'm always speaking to them about different things. 
applying for sponsorship for other shooters to come over to the UK to be able to shoot. I sponsor that shooter. They're coming over and yeah, you're, you're vouching. Like, you're vouching yeah. for this person. Exactly. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Correct. Um, so they, they know me by name, and if I sort of drop on the uh, a variation, they normally just ring me up and say, yeah, but it's all done, because they already know that I'm cleared up to whatever it may be on some other land that I've got access to, or that I've got access to two home office approved clubs, and I've, I've got deer stocking certification, or whatever it may be. So it, it becomes a lot easier. But the initial thing, I think, is quite daunting for people, because of that valid reason. They say, oh, how can I get into it? Okay, well, you need to have a valid reason. So what is it going to be? It's going to be target shoots. And where's your local club? No worries. Go speak to them. And by right, that local club should help them out as much as possible. Well, that's um, more money for them. On the, the, the more members they have that are shooting, there's more money for them. So it's behoove of them to, hey, if yeah. I can get as many people qualified to shoot here, that's that's more business for me. So that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. But then you have what's called closed ticket and open ticket. So, <laughs> just to complicate things a little bit further, the closed ticket means you can only shoot the calibers you own on the land that you have permission on that is cleared for that caliber. If you have an open ticket, you're deemed to have enough experience um, and and be a competent shooter to shoot on any land that you feel fit, basically, with permission. Sure. With whatever okay. caliber you want, with which with, seem yeah. suitable. Yeah. So, for instance, Trez, on his look up of his farms, they're cleared to seven mil. So I can go over there, and I do have permission on his farms, for instance. I can go over there and shoot whatever, and shoot those calibers. But Trez could come up to my farm, even though that's only cleared to triple two, technically, at the moment, and he can shoot whatever he wants. Right, yeah. Because he has an open ticket. So, yeah, they, they, they do things. It's, diff, it's different. Um, there's two different um, certifications. You've got shotgun license as well, and then you have a firearms license. So shotguns, I can go and buy five at once if I want, but firearms, you have to do one at a time, reapply, get the process, get it signed off, tick it back, you know, serial numbers added. So yeah, it, it, it's quite detailed. It sounds a lot worse when you talk about it, and I, I realize now talking about it, it sounds, even, it sounds quite... It does sound bad. Bad. <laughs> <laughs> But once you get there, it is a lot easier. And you just need that valid reason. Man. That's, that's literally it. That's literally if, it. I could, if I could say one thing to, to somebody about if they're in the UK and they wanted to, to get a firearms license, talk to somebody that has got one and has yeah. been through the process and he'll just yeah. tell you exactly what you need to do. Because I remember when I, when I applied for mine, I was like, oh, do I need to say this? Or do I need to know this? Or... What do I need to put here? What do I need to put there? And there are all these different boxes on this PDF thing that you have to email through. And a lot of it, you don't have to say an awful lot. And, mm. and you know, without trying to hide something, less is more in this situation. You don't need to worry about it. And like I said, like suppressors, or do I put a suppressor in? I can't, or what we call them moderators. Right. Uh, suppressing is a very an Americanism to us. Um, so, do we need a mod? Well, well, yeah. And I mean, I remember I bought uh, my first one was a uh, two rim fires at a seventeen HMR and a two two. And two two isn't allowed without a moderator on, so I was like, oh, I don't need one for that. So I'll just apply for the the moderator for the seventeen HMR because it does make a bit of a bang. And the uh, 
firearms officer rang me up. He's gone, "Hi, Richard. Uh, I've got your, uh, I got your your application in front of me. I said, I just want to know why you haven't got a moderator put down for your two two LR." And I was like, "Oh, I just didn't think I needed one." I said, "No, no, I'll put you one on there anyway, and he'll do it for you." And people kind of think that it's some daunting prospect. It's not because they're all really helpful. The people that you're right. applying to are gun people. Yeah, they mm. they appreciate it. You're lucky that that's um, the case. You're, you're lucky because it could be the other way around and be a complete. I mean, it's to me being a fucking ignorant American. It to me, it's it sounds like oh my god, I would, I would be fit to be tied if I had to damn do all that shit. But then again, it could be worse because if you had the people here that would love to be able to be controlling of that aspect here, oh believe me, it would be. I mean, an act, a literal act of Congress. It to to get a, a gun, I mean. So yeah, you, it, you're it, as bad of a comparatively as bad of a situation as that is compared to us. You're in the best form of your situation as you could be in because the PX you just said, the point you just made, that the people that you're applying to, they're they're gun guys. Like they 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 are in this position because they want to be because they probably want to help. The situation, you know, what I'm saying, not from a place are, of control. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's great. That's that's good news for you guys. Yeah, you, you do get some, which are just complete dick. You know, the the firearms officers can be real fucking idiots. Well, they're probably but dicks and idiots and everything. It's, it, yeah, it's more because they're old, um, and they they they're still very um, set in old ways, and they don't don't sort of all symptom from the same hymn sheet as such. But aside from that, you know, it, it, it can be a pain in the dick. It, we can get it sorted. It, I mean, it happens pretty quick as well, depending who, some some forces take longer than the other. Um, I mean, my application went in and I had, I had everything within sort of, I want to say four or five weeks and it was done. I had a rifle in my hands and everything was ready and cool. And normally if I do, if I want to go get a new rifle, I have it, the paperwork back within a week. You know, they're, they're pretty damn quick. I know your guys are pretty quick as well, Trace. But I know mm-hmm. with some I know I know of some constabularies where the paperwork's been sent off for a variation because they want to get a new caliber rifle and they're waiting like three or four months then. Oh. And they can't do it. <laughs> that, that's not because they don't want to grant it. That's because uh obviously there's not there weren't many people with firearms. Um and it turned out that the, the particular constabulary that, that where I live is it's called West Mercia, and they actually had the most amount of firearms per square kilometre in the UK. So they were the first people to try this new system. So they went from a paper system, which is obviously it was incredibly a, It was a lack of efficiency problem is what that, that yeah. was. Yeah. And w- what a lot of the police forces are doing, they're now moving on to this electronic, electronic. system, and it, it is starting to speed up. And I was lucky. I caught it just as I had was trialing this new system that they was doing. So my, I was done in three weeks. Yeah, that sounds a um, lot like our sent, situation here yeah. with the NFA. With I mean, their this is like their third rendition, I guess, or third or fourth rendition of the electronic system to where like a suppressor for us. Like I could go right now, like today, and go buy a rifle and come home with it, or a pistol, or shotgun. But if I wanted a suppressor, it it qualifies under certain things like that SBR behind me. It's a short barrel rifle there, a fully automatic. It's a class three item. 
it has to go through a whole separate system to where this like my fingerprints are involved, um, a bunch of other things, FBI check, SBI check, local law enforcement check, um, and you know it could take upwards of like my suppressor. It took me like thirteen months to get the suppressor. Really? Yeah, but wow. um, and and it's the same every time. Now, if I wanted to submit five things at one time, let's say a full auto rifle, two suppressors, and three short barrel rifles, I could get them all done, get all those tax stamps back at one time. So it it's just the biggest thing is because not because they're trying to it, they're trying to make it that long. It's this the most inefficient system on fucking planet earth. And yeah. now they're, that's all paper shit. I mean, in 2021, it was all paper shit. And now like, as of, I think beginning of this year, some they've started, I haven't applied for anything since, but yeah, it's an electronic system. It's supposed to cut it down to like three or four months, whether that's the case or not, maybe they got to get some growing pains, out of the way or whatever, but yeah, achieving problems, it was yeah. supposed it's literally one lady that works for the NFA and you talk, you call up there, you talk to her. So if I call up there, I'm talking to her. If someone in California calls up there, they talk to her and it's literally, mm-hmm. they've got stacks and stacks and stacks and stacks on top of stacks of papers that they got to fucking go through. That's what takes so damn long. So it's, yeah. it's not a, Hey, we're going to wait 13 months for you to get this. Like, no, they are the most unmanned yet overreaching power entity. If they had the efficiency of the IRS, like the manpower of the IRS, we, <laughs> we would get a, a suppressor back, you know, in a day, but they don't mm-hmm. put their, their money into that because, well, they're not really yeah. encouraging that so much. No. So no, that, no, that's sure. the difference. So let me ask you this. So the firearms, yeah, you're going to have to put in for each individual firearm, and it takes X amount of time. But what about barrels? Or barrels look barrels like the same can, way? Yeah. Barrels we, uh, we can just buy. Okay. It's difficult. So yeah. barrels, uh, so we could say, I don't know, um, we have an import that brings in a load of bottle on barrels, but say it brings in a thousand barrels. We could, I could go and buy Five hundred of them barrels and just stick them in the garage. But the second they're chambered by a gunsmith, that's when they become a firearm, and that's when they need to be put on your license. Right. Um, so regarding having extra barrels, so say I know uh, what a lot of you guys do. You'll go and have three or four match barrels chambered all up at the same time, right now. So you're not waiting for a barrel. Well, if we wanted to do that, we'd have to have three separate enter. Entry, entrances on the on the license, you'd have the three different barrels with three different serial numbers, and then they would all have to go after something that's called proof. I don't know whether you've heard of this. It's called proofing. Um, it basically they test the chambering job, they test the strength of the action, and they they I think they double or triple its cartridge mm. PSI value to make sure it don't fucking explode in your face, basically. Um, and you have to pay for that yourself. And each one of those needs to be done. And obviously, when you send these after proof, there's only one proof house. And luckily, it's actually in Birmingham, which is about, you know, the proof house is about 18 miles from my house. So if I want to, if I go and have a gun chamber, I can go and pick mine straight up from the, uh, from the proof house. But say for Andy, he went and had 
he's uh, 6'5 dot and he had to get it sent to the proof house and he had to get paid to be sent from the proof house back to the back to him so the, the added cost to that so barrels you're fine as long as you um, have got the space and your tickets to do them and this is where Andy says what is your good reason to have them you have to turn around and say well what's your good reason so if you're a member of a club and you're a target shooter and you turn around to the F, the, the firearms officer and go well, my reason to have uh, six different barrels is the fact that I've got one for firearming, one for club matches, one for national level matches, uh, all in the same calibre. And then uh, the reason why I'm using the same action in several different other calibres is to save money. That would be your valid reason. You could do that if you're a member of a and club. That, that would pass. Like that would, that be, would that pass, be granted. Yeah. Yeah. That, would, that would normally get granted um, yeah. but if you uh, say for instance you're not a member of a, uh, of a club I say I, I'm not a member of a club well I am now up until about two weeks ago but before that I was just shooting on land that I had permission to I can't justify having three or four bar- barrels of the same calibre when I don't need to have three or four barrels of the same calibre because I technically I'm only shooting foxes or I'm only shooting crows or stalking deer you don't need to have three or four. This is what they say. Anyway, so that you don't need to, this is where your valid reason is. So if I was to go in and say, oh, I want another BRI barrel, because my match rifle is a BRI. Um, I want to get another one spun up. I go, well, you've already got one. But now I'm a member of a club. I can go, oh, no, no, I'm just going to, I can justify it because I'm a member of a club. So it's, it's, it's difficult. But like you said, with barrels, yes, we can buy them. Second, they go. They get put on the rifle. They're chambered. They become a firearm. And as soon as they become a firearm, they have to be proofed, and you have to pay for that. And it's about eighty quid, about eighty pounds. Yeah, if the gunsmith isn't charging you on top of that, which right. a lot. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna go out and say something. Now. There's a lot of gunsmiths in the UK that will rip you off. Yeah. And charge and they'll charge hundred and fifty pounds for proof. Well, they, they're, yeah, they're they're capitalizing on something that you can't control as far as what the government is requiring yes. you to do. They're like, hey, and and kind of taking advantage of that situation, and they're they're making an, yes. extra, an extra buck exactly. on it. Yeah, that's pretty yeah. shitty. That's yeah. fucking shitty. Uh, we we, we also we also have ammunition limit. Oh, yeah. is that for hand loaded <laughs> or is that for buying? Per, per caliber, we are buying or reloading. My my license is in my rifle bag, so I, I'm quite, I'm allowed I'm allowed to have on my in in my possession any one time I can have six hundred six five three more rounds, six hundred two two LR, three hundred two two three, um, three hundred two oh four. And six hundred six mil dasher. That's what I can have in my position at them. Obviously, that's a shitload of ammo. So yeah, we have limitations. We also have a limit on powder. I think it's ten pounds of, 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 of powder, isn't it, Trez? I think we can have. Oh, I do you know. What? I don't know, mate. Yeah. yeah anyone? It's either ten or twelve pounds of, of powder that we can physically have. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so there, there is some limitations. I, mean, uh, be, yeah. I don't know if y'all can see behind me. There's about a few thousand rounds of ammo there, and then probably yeah. ten thousand bullets. 
And over there is probably 65, I mean, 70 pounds of powder. Like, <laughs> like, like uh, bullet heads, you can have as many as you want. Cases, yeah. you can have as many as you want. You can have as many primers as you want. Right. You can. The only thing that they like to limit you on is the load. As soon as it, so if I was to come in and I'm doing my loading, second, if I put a primer in the bottom of a case, it's not. It's not uh, technically classed as a as a round. round second, right. I'll put a bullet and powder in. That's when it yeah. that will take a one off my allocated allocated slot. I don't know if you can see that there. Um, yeah, I see a stack of papers. You see there, but that's where it says like caliber metric material six mil six five two two RF quantity. I can have two hundred fifty six mil one hundred sixty six five. And I can only have five hundred two two. Yeah, LR. we we take is that now when when does that renew? Once you shot them, then it rat renews. Or no, no, it's, it's what you have in your possession at any one time. Okay, I got you. All right, yeah, because yeah. we take. Yeah. I mean, two, you said two hundred and sixty, two hundred sixty-five. We'll take that to a match. Like that's if yeah. it's a two hundred round match, uh, we'll, we'll regularly take two hundred and sixty, two hundred fifty to a match. You know. So this is where, where where the whole justification comes back to. You go back to your FIA and go, listen, I want to shoot matches at 265 round matches. It'll go, okay, then no problem. And, and it'll change it. Yeah. yeah. Is, if they want to help. Is there, because, I, I mean, just like you said, the in your mind, what you know and what you've always experienced and lived by is what determines what I guess you expect. But... Is there an an entity of people, an organization, or anything that is actively in the UK trying to, I don't know, either lessen the restrictions, outright get rid of them, promote? Is is there like a, like our NRA supposed to do that? But they suck. They're horrible. But let's say they were awesome. Is there someone over there right now that is trying to change, actively change these things? So my knowledge. No. Well, I mean, we, we've got the NRA, but they 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 just they, they'd rather just have gallery shooting F class, you know, typical stuff. Yeah. Um, we've got BASC, which is B A S C, which is British um, British Association of Shooting and Conservation, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and they, I mean, they help with a lot of stuff, but there is no major organisation that is actively trying to do stuff. Differently, no, um, no lobbying on your behalf. No, no, not really. Not. Apart from us, <laughs> Apart right? From yeah, us. <laughs> yeah. See, that that Try. is such a. It's just so different, and you know, in um, where you are in the wor- world, how things and there's always someone lobbying for your right, whether they're good at it or not. Uh, at least in, they're saying in the name of, um, for for everything here. I mean, it's. I don't know. It's just so it's so different. So it's eye opening. I mean, that's one reason why I wanted to have you guys on and and talk to you guys about it because it's just. I mean, for the average American listener, this some of the majority of this is just so fucking foreign to us. Like literally and figuratively, it's just so foreign to us to where it's like holy fuck. Like you can only have. 260 rounds of whatever caliber, a designated caliber in your possession. I've got over 20,000 rounds of 223 in that closet and like 5,000 or 9 millimeter. Mm. That's, that's average. 
you know, here. So mm-hmm. It's, you know, I got to pump the numbers up, you know what I'm saying? But it's, uh, it that's crazy. So as far as like barrels go, you said you can only have, unless you're a member of a club, you can only have a designated amount of barrels per caliber unless deemed authorized because of a need you have. Does it, is it behoove of you as, you know, over there to have a gun like an AI where it's literally turn a screw, change a barrel, screw off a barrel, put a new one on? I mean, is it? I always are everywhere, everywhere. You would, are you would everywhere. Think, you would think, I mean, given that you're in the UK and it's a, a, a British company, I, I would suspect that. So you your average mm. match, y'all got about what, 50 to 80 shooters at an average match, maybe? No, no, more like 30, 35. So how do y'all squad then? Let's say you've got, let's say you got 40 shooters, be generous. Mm -hmm. Let's say you got 40 shooters. Do you do four squads of 10 or like, how do y'all divvy that up and and do it? Because like us, you'll rarely have a squad less than 10 and rarely more than 13, 14, otherwise they just they just keep stacking on. You'll have, you know, 18. Like last weekend at K&M, they had like, how many squads was that? I mean, it was a fucking bunch of squads. It was like 15 or more squads, and then you divvy that up amongst 250 shooters, you know. What what mm-hmm. is what is y'all's, what does it look like there at a match? Well, we what, the way that we do it, we try and get it so that, we want our matches not just to be about the shooting. We want it to be a. I uh, do it without sounding cheesy, like a like a, a social like, like a fun day out. Yeah, like a social, a social thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it should be. So, I mean, we, they are here too, though. I mean, whether we have an active attempt of doing that, it ends up that way. You know, what I'm saying I I have just mm-hmm. as much fun with the people I'm shooting as I do actively shooting myself. So. I mean that's yeah. one reason why I do it. You know, I love it. So no, there's nothing wrong with that. That's the way. It, that's the way it should be. We we try and get it so that there's, um, what we do we we because the way that we do it over over here. So me and Andy and uh, the other guy that's in with us is James. Um, he we tell the ROs that we want somebody to um, make sure someone's shooting, someone's ready to shoot. Someone's ready to pick up brass as soon as they're done. And then, the, and then there's always someone sitting on some glass ready to spot because the shooter's spot for themselves is not designated spots. That's where um, it ought to be, by the way. Y'all keep that up. I'm serious. Like, cause yeah. That well, is it, a gripe. That's a big gripe that I've got here because you got you got match directors that complain about not having the RO support, not have, hey, it's so hard for me to get good ROs or whatever. And my claim is always, dude, you've got – at any time someone's shooting, you've got eight or nine guys on glass. And the majority of us in, in, in any squad are competent enough at spotting that I would feel comfortable with whoever's in my squad calling my impact shit. Now, they ain't going to give me nothing mm-hmm. that, I don't, that I don't earn. They're not going to say, oh, yeah, I think that was an edge hit. Um, I think a lot of people like me, but they don't like me enough to give me free points. Know what I want them to. <laughs> know what I want them to. But, I mean, it's the fact of is that, hey – a lot of the times, the shooters are better at that than the guys that you've now you know deemed RO to call. Yeah, you've got guys that are just getting into yeah. the sport that want to help and good for them, and they there are places for them to help. But on glass is not one of them, you know, because you've got some guys shooting twenty two BRs and they're throwing an eighty eight grain bullet, you know, at, at 
2,900 and at 1,100 yards, if there's not a hit indicator on it, you need someone with experience to be able to know what to look for. Or if they're shooting solids, if they're shooting solids, guess what? A solid bullet does not explode on impact. There is no poof, no plume of a lead core exploding because there is no lead core. You got to know what to look for. And the, the guy, the Johnny come lately that wants to get into the sport is not the guy to do that. Whereas maybe the other nine squad mates are very capable of doing that job and doing it better doing, than you. Yeah. Right. And so there's also on that, there's, there's also a very, <laughs> I chose to back me up on this. There's, there's a lot of brand. Um, and what, what, what's the word I'm looking for? People love, love, I love, love a particular brand. So for instance, oh, they're shooting school. Oh yeah. Yeah, so they'll go up and they'll, they'll only want to look through their fucking Sig Sauer spotting scope or their um, Swarovski spotting scope. They won't want to look. The PRS in the UK, we're sponsored by Zeiss. So we have like Zeiss kit on all the fucking stands. And that, we know how good Zeiss is. But they don't give a shit. They want to look through their kit. <laughs> so but it, it kind of backs it up as well that, that they're they spot, they're used to looking through their glass. You've not got somebody else inexperienced and they can spot a little six mil bullet smashing the top of it, you know? So yeah, it, it, people way, have brand yeah, for sure. But either way, it, the end result is the same that you, your shooter, your squad mates are, well, first of all, they, they, they're used to throwing rounds down range and they're also used mm-hmm. to seeing what they look like when they, either miss or they hit, so they're qualified. But but not only that, but they're going to RO well because they want to be RO'd for well, right? You're not going to go and try to fuck somebody and then just turn around and wait for them to RO and fuck you when they know they they hit those targets that you caught a miss. You're not going to – you're not – as a competitor, you're not going to want to risk someone – not giving you the impacts that you deserved either. So not that I'd ever really worry about that happening, but that's another fail safe is that that's yeah. the way it should be. Now, if you've got a staff of people that you're paying that are good at ROing and you want to come out of pocket and, and pay good ROs that way, the shooters don't have to have that responsibility. I'm all for it, but don't not have a match or don't do this or don't put subpar ROs in because you say that they're not, you don't have access to them. No, you do. They all paid you $250 to shoot that weekend. They're very capable of doing that. Now, you don't leave mm-hmm. it to the guy shooting to call his own impacts, but you leave it for the squad to call each individual shooter's impacts. And I'm telling you, it would just alleviate so much pressure on match directors. It would alleviate a lot of that bickering that people, you know, Hey, that was a hit, and then the RO's like, uh, and then the the guy, the shooter, there are shooters that that, that can bully ROs into giving them hits mm-hmm. when they know they didn't get the hit. And this, this is where we differ slightly to you guys. So you have match directors, whereas we are the match directors. So, so which you know, when, when we started this, we was like, we just want to shoot matches that we we find fun. And we was like, if we're going to do it, we can't. The reasons why we started it was because this other guy was making money. Like, we don't make money from PRS. We we do not take a penny. In fact, we're actually owed money sure. by, out imagine. of our own personal pocket that we that we are uh, um, owed. So when when we pay for a match, it is just scraping profit. We are making it as cheap as it possibly can be for, for everybody. So we can't afford to have too many uh, paid. ROs sure. coming. So 
the lads have got a glass for themselves, have got to spot impact. If they want matches, it's something that they've got to do. And luckily, right. we have lots of people that are very supportive of us and they're like, yeah, exactly. This is this is the way that you've got to do it. And we appreciate everybody that does come along and, and does. And we don't have people bullying each other because you can't bully us. Yeah, okay. You see, you guys are my perfect example yeah. of, I'm glad, I'm so glad to do this podcast. You guys are my perfect example of me getting this out there. Hey, let me, being honest, do you guys have issues, whether it be arguments amongst shooters or whether it be discrepancies or abilities to actually see or, or, or not see impacts and misses. Do you guys experience real, any real drama from having the shooters RO for each other? You have any drama from that? No. So we have, we, we pay an RO because you have to have an RO over here. So range officer is a, is a qualification here. You have to pass, certain safety criteria so that you can manage somebody shooting on a line. But they're and not the ones on glass though, coming. right? Let's clarify. Those no, are, they're not right. on glass. Okay, no, so, no. right. Yeah. Okay, now, so we get this clear for the listener. I, I'm not advocating for there not to be a designated RO. We call them stage moms. I don't know what you guys call them for. Okay, But yeah. they're like, hey, yeah. you're making sure that, A, everyone's safe, or range safety yeah. officer, that's what an, an RO is. Mm-hmm. Okay, you're making, make sure it's safe. And you're making sure that the shooters shoot the course of fire as intended, and you're uh-huh. also there to uh, make sure things are moving along as they should, and, and they're not uh, bottlenecking and you know doing this stuff the whole way yep. as much as you possibly can. And then answer any questions. You are the representative of the match director for that stage. There's one at every stage that you need to have. I, I believe yeah. Yeah, I mean, have, a yeah. non-shooter, someone there that you need to have. But my and that's never been a bone really with anybody because you can have a dummy that as long that doesn't shoot as long as that you are you explain to them they have to shoot it in this manner and if you have any questions or if the shooter has any questions you I, we've got a radio call me the match director I will be there and to handle it right there's really not a bunch of problems and drama from that. The pro- as far as having the match take place or move uh, efficiently, the biggest one is an RO, a designated spotter. To me, spotter, it yeah. is so unnecessary. And it's just, to me, it's more work for the match director. And it's more, it, it's, it leads itself to be more of a burden for the shooter. If you've got, like I said, some Johnny come lately who does not know how to watch trace, who doesn't know how to spot impacts and what is an impact and what it was an edge hit and what was a miss. The, 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 so the experience are the guys behind the rifles. And then when they're not behind a rifle, they're behind their spotter or, or, or binos. That, that's it. Your problem is solved. Your problem is solved within the shooters, within the squad is there. You have mm-hmm. a free RO. You don't have to, or, or mm-hmm. a spotter. You, they're there. And you guys yeah. don't have those. You have shooters that are the ones spotting for the, uh, for the other guy that's actually on the rifle. And there's no drama amongst hits and misses. No right, and that's the, way it ought to, that's the way it ought to be. We, we haven't had one yet anyway. I can't say, mm-hmm. I can't hold my hands up and be totally confident that there's going to be these, this thing happening. I mean... It's a little bit different for you guys. Like you guys can potentially, like, if you finish top three or four, you could walk away with a couple of thousand pounds worth of kit off the prize table. 
we don't have that amount here. Right. So maybe the jeopardy isn't there. The monetary gain yeah. isn't there. I'm not saying price tables are the issue. It's the human being that is the issue. But um, there is other factors at play. Uh, we've, we've, we, your matches, we your have side. more of, we would potentially have more of a, of incentive for fuckery than yes. you guys yeah. would over there. Right. I know. I, I get that. Yeah. But the, what I think fixes that is the amount of people that are on glass. If it's all, one guy, it feels left up to him, sure. But if you go to any match right now while someone's shooting, there is no less than six guys. If it's a squad of 10, there's no less than five to six guys on glass at one time. So if one guy, yeah. if, all right, so if let's say there's six, if there was an issue with one guy, six people, six people are going to call an impact where the other guy would not if he was an issue, and vice versa. If the one guy wanted to give someone a point, you got six guys, by, or five other guys behind him saying, no, nope, that was a miss. No, nope, that was not yeah. a hit. So mm-hmm. if you allowed it for, if you basically designate it for one shooter to be the end-all, be-all, say-so of a hit or a miss, you're leaving yourself maybe for a little bit of, that too, but we have that here. We have where you, you basically you don't pay an entry fee. You shoot for free if you decide to shoot and spot be the official spot. Okay. Right? So it's free, right? Yeah. You have for you your have, squad, yeah, right. But that's still one guy. And then you, what if you don't have anybody who people that are willing to pay because they don't want that responsibility? Well, it's not that big a deal when it's split up amongst an entire squad. You get what I'm saying? So. And in the in in the end of the day, we still have that drama amongst a shooter potentially and one guy calling the hits and misses. Like we we have that drama already, and we're we're doing it our way. If we did it, what do you got to lose? You guys are sitting here telling me of no, a squad right. with with a match of forty people, thirty people, you're not having these problems. So with a squad, I mean, with a match of a hundred people. You got even more eyeballs on glass, so even yeah. less, even less of a, a, a room to there be that kind of problem. I mean, you know, you know these people that um, are the ones complaining. Is it the same people complaining all the time though? Yes, yes. It but is. it's probably that's a human factor as well, though. Yes. Yeah, and when you, but I think the dynamic will change because in your situation, the RO. He isn't even looking. He's looking at you. He's not. Look, he's looking at how yeah. you're running the course of fire. If we're going, if we're going to talk about yeah. the the dispute amongst a hit or a miss, then okay, let's do that. He's not. The shooter's not going to argue with your RO because he doesn't. He has no idea. He's not on glass. He's going to mm-hmm. argue with the entire squad behind him. Now, do you think that one person is going to go up? Even especially if he knows that he's arguing the a truth here that he knows that he missed that, but he's going to argue. Is he going to argue with eight guys behind him? No, no, no. no. Now, what about if he argues with one guy? What if he only has one guy he's got to argue with? He'll, he'll take oh, that. Oh, much better. He'll, yeah. he'll take those. He'll take those odds. Cause that's just two yeah. eyeballs. Yeah, he's yeah. got to worry about and not 16 eyeballs. So that's mm-hmm. the difference. So now, as far as, uh, a, stip- a a situation that happened at a match here recently. Um, you know who Chris Way is, right? I had him on. A yeah, while. yeah, I talked to Chris for often. Yeah, 
did you talk to Chris after the match that was a big issue? No, no, but I talked to Chris often on, on, on social media, yeah. Yeah, well, okay, yeah. that was some absolute fuckery being done from mm-hmm. the match director and the R. Well, the RO actually wasn't the problem. The only way the RO was a problem was the RO gave them, the shooters, permission to shoot a stage in a certain manner. Now, if the RO says that you can do that, then that RO is an extension of the match director. So it yep. should stand. If the match director then finds out that, hey, the RO was the one at fault here because he told them something that I wouldn't have, well, that's between you and your RO. But those shooter mm-hmm. scores stand or throughout the whole damn stage. You don't zero. I'll tell you what. You don't zero the shooters who shot it in a manner of which they were told to by an RO. And you also, mm-hmm. if you're going to do that, then you let them have a reshoot, not you zero. Do you That's know what? Bullshit. Perfect example of that. Our, our first match, I was actually RO in one of the stages. And what we normally do, we make you stand in your start position. You have to hold all your gear. But for whatever reason, in my head, the first shooter walked up and he plopped his tripod down right in front of the prop that he was shooting off. Didn't catch it. Let him start. And because he started like that, I can't change it for everybody else. So I had to turn around and go, listen, if you want to, you can put your tripod there and I made sure that I told everybody. Yeah, for the rest that, of the day. Okay. Especially if it's the this, first this, stage this, of the day to where the, this is the first. Was, yeah. Right. And that, okay, well, that's a perfect yeah. scenario for that to happen. That's no harm, no foul. That is, okay, for this stage, it's because one guy, I, I made the mistake and let one guy do uh, it this way. For the rest of the day, Everyone else can do the same thing as well. No one is going to be at a disadvantage, and no one's yeah. going to be at an advantage. So that, yeah. that that works out perfect. But if it's the like third squad of the day, and you realize you oh crap, three squads have all oh, put that down. Well, if that's the case, then you either a you give all everybody those three squads reshoots, which that's a pain in the ass, or you throw out the entire stage. We've thrown out entire stages for less. Okay, so yeah. then throw out that stage. If you did well on that stage and maybe not on another, that's just tough. If you did poorly on that stage, then here's your lucky day. But to be fair, mm-hmm. that someone's scores didn't count and some somebody's scores did count, we've got to do it this way. And, and then whatever, everyone's going to get over that. But you cannot sit there and say, you guys who shot it in this manner, it isn't like you didn't ask an RO and the RO said you couldn't do it. The RO said you could do it that way. You guys zeroed. You can't reshoot it. You can't do anything. Don't argue with me. You are probably Yeah, and then and then you go into actual like personal insults and tell them that you are a problem squad. You are a scumbag. Like literally, like the, I'm not going to say. Is, like? I'm not going to fucking no. That's what he said. That's what the match director told told his RO standing the next day, standing in front of Chris, he said, that guy is a scumbag. Now, I've said it before. If that was me, we no longer have an issue with the course of fire. You have an issue with me. The The guns be damned. Uh, sure. The match be damned. Now, we've got a bigger problem. Um, yeah. But they, Chris, obviously a bigger man than me, and chalked it up to, this dude's an asshat, and this was just a kind of fucked up weekend. It, I'd have I'd have probably been arrested that day had it been me. <laughs> but that's you know that's neither here nor there. But biggest thing is you guys are avoiding 
at least 50% of the drama by having the shooters spot, call spot, uh, or call hits and misses. Mm-hmm. That, to me, it, it it fixes more than just one problem. It fixes a whole lot of problems. It fixes, A, can you have someone, do you have the manpower to spot? Yes, you do, because they paid to shoot. That's my manpower problem solved. You have quality of spotter solved. Hey, you're only going to get as good as you are, right? You're only going to get the outcome of spotting, the quality of outcome of spotting based off the quality of a spotter you are. You got nobody to blame mm-hmm. but you and your squad mates if you suck at spotting. So that's taken care yeah. of. And then you have the numbers versus the single shooter if you have a single shooter who wants to argue over hits and misses. They're not going to argue with seven guys back there. They'll argue with one. They're no. not going to argue with seven. And they'll definitely mm-hmm. argue with one if they can tell that he don't know shit from Cheyenne about spotting. Yeah. Right. The, if Oh, I don't want to be the one to take points away from this guy because I know I'm not good at this. So you can have the points. You know how many times that happens in every match? At least three times every match across the country. Really? Well, you, you, just you have don't have those problems. That, you don't have those problems because it, it, it's not nope. a fostered environment for that problem to happen. So good on you. Keep that up. I don't give a shit. Nothing be damned. You guys keep doing that because you're doing that right. And I feel like you guys are at an advantage because the sport has pretty much been established before it ever got started over there. It's been established here. Mm-hmm. So you guys oh, gotcha. have, you guys have the ability from like from ground zero, you can take what you want and what you like and you can discard what you don't. Whether it mm-hmm. be for the lack of resources or whether it be because you seem it seems to be a better idea. Right? You guys don't have the manpower to have designated spotters per stage or poor or per squad. So you actually went with a better option, which is let the, the shooters uh, call hits. Not only that, but you can look at anything else and you can change it how you see fit for the better yeah. or for the worse. There's a lot of gripes that shooters have here in America with the way things are run here. Now, I know you guys are obviously kind of beholden to the PRS because you're the PRS UK and you you guys are the PRS. You too are the PRS over there. I get that. Mm-hmm. I will give offer you a word of advice from, I mean, I've been doing these matches since 2016, 2017. I will give you this from a shooter. Make it, keep it about the shooter, right? Everything yeah. needs to be about the shooter and not just the guy who's winning. Like if Joe, Joe Brown over there, if he's the guy who wins or you got a group of five guys who, no matter what, they're one of those five are going to win. Do not yeah. make decisions and do not uh, just foster an environment for those five guys. Now, mind you, the numbers are different. We have a lot more winners here because there's more of us here. Um, yeah, that are doing it. But let's say you got out of out of a hundred shooters, you got the top five guys, right? Mm-hmm. Don't don't set this thing up to to cater to them because they're not the ones that are keeping the thing going for you guys. Mm-hmm. So if you go to wow. if you go to any match here at the end of the end of the weekend and you look at the scores, the 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 roster sheet and the scores, the leaderboard, the the guys at the top ten are not the ones who made that match happen. Nope. The, the bottom, the 50 and down, if there are 100 shooters shooting a match, spot 
I'd say spot 30 and down. That's who made that match happen. Yeah. Because Agreed. 100%. you can make that match happen, meaning if spot 30 through 100, that's 70 shooters. You can make that match happen here. You can't make the match happen with spot 1 through 30 here. If there's only 30 guys for a match, it's not happening. No. So over there, it's even easier because the numbers are lower. You can center yeah. your sport up, center the PRS UK up, it's center focus. It be for the guys that show up who pay the match fees to make the match happen, not those top five. So yeah. keep that. I mean, in we, mind we, we've done that. We, we looked at the yeah. The, it sounds like you have. Yeah, it sounds like you have. We looked at the scores a couple of times. And we've like, oh, these lads aren't hitting targets. Like they're really not. Like the one I'm not going to mention names, but we had over two days worth of shooting. One guy was because we only do two day matches. Um, there's another organization that does one days, and they do it you know, just as well as us. Uh, but we just did the two days. And there was, there was a guy that done he hit 21 targets in two days. But the guy still had a smile on his face. Fuck yeah. Which was, which was brilliant. So what we've done, we actually made, I mean, I do a lot of the the the, the match top stuff and I look at the, the scores and I look at the target mm. sizes and stuff like that. And we actually made uh, your money shots, your closer ones. Some of them were massive targets. Like some of them were massive. But then the top shooter never actually shot more than he did the last match. But the bottom shooters was shooting more. So they was getting more enjoyment out of it because they was hitting more targets. Whereas it wasn't benefiting the top shooters because the top shooters was hitting them targets anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So and, it, and it, it doesn't take a lot to look through. And like you say, look at the shoot. It doesn't, numbers don't lie. It, it, it's there, it's in there. And you've got to pay attention to them every single match that you do. You've got to look and be like, how can we make it better? Because if you're not making it better, you're going backwards, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. if you're not going forwards, you're going backwards. Yeah, exactly. And the people that, like you say, we have probably five or six, maybe seven shooters that can win a match at any one time. There's a big gap between everybody else. Sure. And eventually, one day, it will close. But like you said, these bottom people, if they don't, if, if we have them top seven, turn up every single match, we don't have a match. We need everybody else to come here. Because like I said, the profits are so so small. Yeah, the, we well, there is no profit. They're yeah. in a match. Yeah, there is no yeah. profit. There, there's yeah. no margin there at all. You just have to make ends meet on the match. At least break even. Yeah. Well, well, we, well we, we, we've always said that because of the amount of money that we've already put in, we will not, the match must make profit because if they keep breaking even, we're never going to get our money back out. Right. Um, but what we've always said is, the money goes as soon as, well, saying that, we still owed money from ages ago and we keep improving, we're buying shot markers, we're buying all sorts of stuff, trying to, to make to, to make it better. But it's got to make profit, has to. If it's £200, if it's £2,000, it's got to make profit. If we start making loads of profit on the matches, we'll make them cheaper. Yeah. But until we start making, until we see that happen, match in, match out. We can't forecast that if only one, say like one match all of a sudden we have 80 shooters turn up and we make a, I don't know, eight grand's worth of profit. Well, that's great, but we need to see that every single time and then we can, we can adjust things accordingly that way. And we keep saying to the shooters, get your mates to come and we'll make it cheaper. Until we yeah. descend. This isn't, we, me and Andy are both 
very, very fortunate. We both have very, very good jobs. We both paid really, really well. But we don't need to go and do this. Right. You're doing it because you want, money. you want to make something happen and you want you want something well, yeah. to, to to exist that you two are the only ones that have really, you know, grabbed the reins and steered it and made it happen and made, and that's that's good. That, even though the UK is obviously a lot smaller than here and the scene is a lot smaller, that's a lot of fucking work for two guys. And I mean it's still oh, it's, it's massive. So logistical yeah, nightmare. We had to bring in uh, James, um, the the other guy, and you know, he's Andy's the brains behind it all. He does all the website. He's a web designer. He does all the website. He does all the emailing. He does all the everything that you see is like the face of it. And then you've got me. I kind of organise a lot of the match, the the, mat, the actual match day stuff. And then James kind of helps both of us in the background. And without James, we would are. Uh, be massively stuck and this perfectly entails into what I wanted to get across is the fact that we me and Andy and James we started to not enjoy putting the matches on because there was so much hard work Um, and it's not just like three or four weeks before the match it's constantly every single day we're talking to each other trying to get stuff sorted for the next match which is happening in say six weeks time Um, it is, it's daily and people don't realise how hard it is to actually set a match up and we was like I don't know whether it's worth it we're not making any money from it we're turning up we ain't shooting ourselves so we don't get to do the sport that we want to do and we was like do you know what so I think we're going to shoot the match because the, the way that we set the matches up is um all the stages are relatively close. You've got about 50 yards between each one. So you're never a million miles away from sure. the match directors. And what we'll do, we'll split ourselves up into each. One of us will go into each squad and then we're always next to an RO. And what we'll do, we would, we, me, James and Andy, and we have our own little competition between the three of us because we're all similar standard shooters. So we yeah, take our scores out of it. And we had such a good response from some of the shooters. They actually made us a trophy when they found out that. Oh, nice. <laughs> That we yeah they actually, they, they found out that we was gonna do it and um, there was there was like yeah and it, it validates it all because like me and Andy was ready just to go boom pull the plug because we was just getting so stressed out over it and stuff and yeah, yeah, you, know, it, you know when that, that happened it puts faith back into what you why sure. you're doing it oh yeah yeah it to me it, there's almost there's almost an appeal there's almost something appealing about it being so small and intimate with you guys, like with as far as the culture, the, the, the PRS in the UK, there's almost, there's something appealing about it. Yes. Matches don't happen that you guys don't have to physically do your, put on yourselves and everything. But I mean, there's just something about like everyone wants the sport to grow and I'm sure you guys want your sport to grow. Uh, yeah. You want it to grow. Um, but yeah. there's also being, on this side of the pond and and in in the culture of where it started, there's almost something better about what you guys got going on. I mean, you know what I'm saying? It's to me, it's like, well, you'll probably good chance everybody will know everybody. It's more intimate. You guys are yeah. I mean, I don't I don't know. There's just a lot to it to where part of me wishes the sport wasn't as big as it is here. I would like the opportunity to do it as much as I have now. But without the it being so gigantic, 
And, and, and relative to yeah. other shooting sports, it's not. It, relative to other shooting sports like USPS, uh, USB, yeah. pistol shooting and shit, that or three gun, that's a lot bigger than what we have here. Uh, it's just it's been, yeah. it's been around longer, and it's just it's got a lot more participation. But relative to what the PRS or precision, uh, long range precision shooting competitive uh, matches goes. It it's still big compared to what it was, right? Um, so you guys are you're you're basically in your infancy stage. Do we do we know how big it could possibly get in the UK? I'll be seen. You guys are doing everything you can to grow it. You're, I, mean, I don't I don't know what else you guys can do to make it bigger that you're already not, that you're not already doing. But it's there's there's still there's something I don't know. It's something intimate about it being everyone knows everybody. Because of that, there's less drama. You can kind of foster the sport in how you deem fit and all that stuff. And to me, that's that's really cool. And I, my advice to you, again, it's, it is worth what you pay for it, but is grow, grow your sport and get people actively doing it and everything because there's only good that can come of that. But do your best to try to keep it that same feel. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh- Definitely, yeah, yeah. It's it is important. I mean, like I said, we can't thank our shooters enough. Like I don't know. Uh, I mean, I I missed our very 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 first match. I had a gigantic fire at my house. I lost pretty much everything that I owned, and it was the weekend before our first match. So Andy and James had to go and run the first match without me there. But they come back and they was like, "Oh yeah, we've done like um you know similar to your uh, the B and T industries when you shoot the." Uh, the card, the card and you win yeah. a bipod well Zeiss put up a set of binoculars and the one guy there's only one guy that hit where you needed to hit on his card and he gives the set of Zeiss binos to the new shooter yeah he didn't take them home he didn't sell them he didn't know him from Adam first time we never met him mm-hmm. and he was like hey obviously and these are the type of people that we have at our matches and we you know it rubs off on everybody. It's, it, it is great. Like, you know, I know prize tables aren't everything, but it when you have these people that struggle because component prices are so expensive out yeah. here to shoot, you sure. wouldn't believe. Yeah. Um, but, um, you know, like the, the last match, the top shooter, he walked to have a Hornady plaque with uh, all their cartridges that they ever come up with. Really nice plaque. Yeah. And, um, the top prize was uh, a full Hornady lock and load iron press worth about £750. He could have picked that up and sold it on neighbor and made, made his money for the next three or four matches back, but they don't. They they make sure he gets passed on to people sure. that they believe that, that is need that, that does need it and long mm-hmm. may that continue, man. That that happens here. Um, you know, I've personally, um, I walk very few prize tables. I, look, Anything I need, I can afford to buy it, and I I chalk it I chalk it up to it's the price of doing what I like to do. Um, I've never sold a prize that I've ever gotten off a prize table. Um, Most of the time, I'll find a young shooter, or if like if I had someone in my squad that was new, I've given away walks that they pulled. uh, In fact, a guy that I know will be listening to this. uh, His name's David. He he shot my squad. I didn't know him from Adam's dog. We shot in the same squad. And I let him walk my spot on the prize table, and he picked up a, a certificate for a free a Thunder Beast, I think a new a new suppressor of some some brand. 
Um, and he shoots that today. I've seen him. I've seen him in another match. Like, dude, this is the suppressor I got last year from the cert that you let me <laughs> walk you. your spot. I was like, dude, fuck yeah, that's awesome, you know. And uh, and that's but there's a lot. I'm not only me doing that. There's a lot of that going on. But the the fact is, is that we have our leadership here in the PRS that say the same things that you are saying about we want to keep, we can't thank the shooters because without that bottom 50% or that bottom 70%, these matches can't happen. They say those words, but they their actions say different. And they they treat situations and they treat people differently depending on who you are. It's like a good old boys club a lot. And it the yeah. rest of the 70% of us don't, we don't appreciate that, and we're not. It is what it is. I'm, this isn't going to be a bitch session, but I mean, it's um, you guys keep what you're doing. Don't lose sight of it because you guys sound like you guys are fucking killing it over there. And I would, I would love to go, you know, to be a part of a an organization like you guys are running, and that would be that would be awesome. And, and I know ninety nine percent of the listeners of this podcast right now are saying fuck yeah the same thing right now. And I'm telling you, so it's keep, keep doing what you're doing. Um, but yeah, we, yeah. We, we really appreciate it. Um, it, it's, 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 it's cool to know that you guys, obviously you, you started in the state, but it's cool to know that you think that what we're doing so far is a good job. You've uh, not shot a match, but when you've only had what we've told you, but it's good to know that you think what we're doing is cool. Yeah, dude, I'm telling you, it's you got it. You you had a, a a really awesome opportunity because you had, like I mentioned earlier, you had a blueprint. Whether you liked it or you hated it, you had a blueprint that you could go off of, and it was you know at its dawn, you guys could pick and choose how you wanted to do that over there based off of either the failures or the successes that we've had over here and you look like you kind of morphed that into what I think was a winning plan. I mean, you guys, I mean, just like you said, what we've, the questions I've asked and the things that you've brought up, there ain't shit that I can, I could say, Hey, nah, you're doing it wrong. Do it this way. Instead, nothing. You guys are, you, that's exactly how, because it sounds like a lot, how I would do it. If I was the one calling the shots and, and, and heading things up, you guys are doing it seems like the exact way that I would do it. So kudos mm-hmm. to you guys. And, you know, I wish nothing but, you know, further success for you guys. Do you guys over there, do you pay attention to, it's like far as this sport, are you guys paying attention to what's going on over here? Like on a week to weekend level, like matches? We, like- we try to, we try to, obviously there's context, we don't always get the full context of what's been Zachy Sam is what he said about uh, the whole Chris Ray thing uh, with that match. Was it a cameo? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, we don't get the full context. Uh, we only hear one side of the story and man, there is two sides to every sure single story. I don't care what anybody's got to say. So there's always two sides. Three um, sometimes. Yes. <laughs> truth <laughs> but, in the middle. Yeah, somewhere. we try to because because what we got to remember, we do follow you, and we don't follow you because it's the, we're sheep, and we do it because that's what you're doing. But we look at what works, we look at what doesn't work, and then we try and find a happy medium between the two. Like that's you know, awesome. we use practice score because you guys use it and it works. 
the shooters in the UK are cried out for it. Practice score, practice score. Okay, yes, we'll do practice score. Luckily, uh, it come out in the rules change that every match had to be practice score because uh, this is from PRS in the UK, from Shannon and Julie, which, by the way, have been amazing to us. As much that's as what other people might, might have an opinion on them, they've been nothing but helpful towards us. Um, that's great. In, 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 in everything. And, you know, props to them for that. Um, so we, we try to, uh, but you, we've also got a, we've got to have our own way of interpreting how, how it's got to be done here because it doesn't always work exactly the same. So well, we have to be about, careful well, what we do like, change and what we don't. Right. How about as far as matches go, like paint who's winning what and, and all that stuff? You guys kind of, well, the reason why I asked is because, like, I'm a big Premier League football fan. Like I, I love yeah. you know. I, obviously, I don't live in the UK, but the the soccer that I love to watch, I like the MLS, but it's nowhere close to the same level of talent as what's in the Premier League. So, um, no. yeah, I'm a, I'm a big uh, Wolves fan. Um, Raúl Jiménez is my man. I'm sorry. I've, <laughs> I'm sorry, Trez. I know. Hey, I was pulling for Aston Villa against Man City a couple weeks ago. I was I was watching the Liverpool game, and I was the crowd in Liverpool would go nuts whenever they'd look at their phones and see that Aston Villa would score. So, I, yeah, I was pulling for Aston Villa to beat Man City, but um, and I and I enjoy watching Man City play because I love some of the players that are on the team. They're 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 so good, but the level the level of talent in the Premier League is leaps and bounds better than what's here in the U.S. So that's I mean, what you guys look at as far as, like, who's winning and how did this match turn out and watch wait for footage or whatever? I don't. I don't do you know what? I look at some of the, you know, the, the, the top shooters over in the States, and I, pay, I do play a, a close attention. I, I look, listen to what they say. John Pinch and Jake Bibber, I listen to their pod, podcasts. Follow them on Instagram. Both amazing guys you and know, shooters. They're awesome dudes. I'm sure they are. And, you know, one day maybe I will get across to the States and I'll get the chance to meet them and shoot with them. And, you know, me and Andy, I've got plans. We're going to be over at the finale this year. Um, and we we are actually wanting to come to the Pig River match next year, don't All right. we? Well, that's what we want. Yeah, we want to get over to I'll, that. I'll shoot um, it next year. I'll, I'll shoot it next year, and we'll we'll squad up. The three of us will squad up. That would be that would be amazing. But yeah, we look, we look like there's some really, really, really good shooters in the UK. But we've got nothing to compare it against yet. So mm-hmm. hopefully, first time this year when we get some shooters over to you, there's only going to be three. Uh, they will be the three best of the uh, of the from the season. Let's see. I don't. I don't think they're going to be anywhere near. Um, but like you said, it's there's levels in in all sports, and if you want to be at the top level, you got to work hard enough to get there. So, but don't get me wrong. I'm going to be rooting for our guys when we come over. I want to sure. see some some scalps get pulled. But as as we should do, yeah, we we, we shall. But you know, this it's it's mad. Like everyone's winning with six mils and stuff over the states. Six five's king here. Six five Swede. Nah, six five Creed more. Just, just purely because access to it and a lot of the ranges, you don't get a lot of splash on. Yeah, you need that bigger bullet to be sure. able to see where you're missing. Um, so there's there's that. Um, 
there are people winning with six mils dashes and stuff like that. Uh, the Irish boys, they come over with <laughs> yeah, six mils yeah. and they whoop us sometimes. When well, they turn up, they really do turn up. there in Ireland. Ireland and Scotland, don't they have, they typically have a lot of wind. I'm saying that based off of my golf experience. Like I, I, I played collegiate level golf and then I was obviously as a fan of golf my whole life, the British Open, if it's anywhere uh-huh. over there, the wind at those at the, those courses oh, the, are just retarded. We have to remember, we're, <laughs> little island, we're, we're, we're little island in the middle of the North Atlantic, mate. The wind is everywhere. Yeah, I bet. There, there's never not a windy day sure. here. Um, I mean, a I, non-windy I, I, day I is a six or seven mile an hour wind. That's a, that's yeah. a, that's no wind. Yeah, right. Well, that's look. If you this 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 when you come for the finale in Tennessee, you're going to see that you're going to see that six seven mile an hour with like a headwind that or tailwind that that does this, and, yeah. which is worse to me than a twenty five mile an hour full value wind. You know. Oh well, we had a last match. We had twenty sixteen to twenty five mile an hour one o'clock to eleven o'clock winds. I mean, it was oh, yeah. it was horrible. You. Oh yeah, that sucks, dude. What's y'all's average distances like? Are y'all have like it, a bunch of it, mid-range targets and then a couple long-range, or are they all basically the same distance? So, unfortunately, in the UK, uh, there's not many places we can do these long-range matches. There's, there's maybe three ranges that are open to the public. Uh, there are military ranges that we used to be able to use, but for whatever reason, the military pulled them from us. Sure. There is murmurs in the background, hopefully, that they may open back up to people. Mm. Um, a few things have got to line up for that to happen, but that's progress. Uh, so up in Scotland, where we was meant to be having a monoday sniper courses, could we uh, ask for Phil and Karen to come over and do mm. some courses? Um, that was out to 1,400 yards, um, which was probably, and on that property, 33,000 acres, so it's massive huge property that had, had about five different ranges uh, one was a 2k range so you can shoot sure pretty much as far as you want up there um, but then I have because it's forestry commission land so they obviously to grow the trees where they want to cut might be in the way of certain this six months of this year you can't get to the range because they're cutting trees down or they're planting trees uh, we had to pull a lot, uh, three of our matches from this year from Scotland, and we've got another shorter range which is in Wales, South Wales, which is quite cool. It's an old coal mine. Yep. So you're shooting into the tips. That's the big backstop at the back. So that's 640 yards maximum as we've got it configured now. We have got things in motion to stretch it out to about 900. But a few things need to line up with their. Um, they have they're going through some approval process with sure. the council, sure. uh, so they don't want to. They don't want to upset the council yeah, until they've got something com- approved. Yeah, right. yeah. So they don't want to do too much. So when that goes through, then we'll start having a little bit longer ranges in Scotland. There's another range in Wales which we don't use because it's we we feel it's a little bit too expensive to shoot there. Yeah. There'll be absolutely zero profit in um, putting a massive a loss. Well, yeah, well, it would yeah. be. It'd be a massive be loss. A lot, right. Uh, so we can't we can't do it there. Uh, we've shot there many a times, but we can't... Well, holding a match um, there is a whole different expense than just going there and, and shooting it. I mean... Yes, lot, exactly. Lot yeah, yeah. 
And it's a shame because it's an absolute cracking range to have a match on. Fantastic range. Sure. It, it, it's just the pricing structure that they have there. Is And it is what it is. We, you know, it, they don't need us. So why would they change the rules just, just for us? So, you know, it's up to them. Um, hopefully, I mean, what our target is over the next five, ten years, what me and Andy both said, we wanted to have our own range. Sure. And we wanted to bank enough money to be able to rent a property and put a specialised precision rifle range sure. out. And yep. It's doable. Yeah. There's um, there, there's properties in the UK that are, are available. It's just convincing the landowners to, to want to do it. Right. And, yeah. you know, it, that's the difficult part. But when you start showing them some money, they might start paying hey, attention. I don't, I don't know what they say over there in the UK, but over here it's money talks, bullshit walks. So, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Money, yeah. money does yeah. talk. Yeah. So. Well, yeah, we use any, the same term. Here. Is there any uh, any anything you guys want to get out? Where where can people follow you guys or get in contact with you guys, especially people um, over there in the UK? We definitely want to get out that all the guys in Europe and the states, Europe mainly, we've got uh, Phil and Kayla and Ronald Dave Snipes. Like they're coming over. They're doing a full um, schedule of courses. They've got PR PR one hundred and one. They've got. Uh, wing clinic, they've got a positional and they've got the advanced uh, competition course all going on back to back in Wales at the Lambradnock range called Pro, uh, Pro Shoot. Um, all the information is on the website. You said it was printed out wrong to somebody a couple of days ago. So. Trying to get to it's Precision Rifle Series UK is sorry, Precision Rifle Series hyphen UK dot com because some jackass decided they wanted to buy Precision Rifle Series dot co UK. So yeah, we couldn't get that, but yeah, Precision Rifle Series hyphen UK dot com or dash use dash in the states, not hyphen. Um, but yeah, all the info for that is on the website. Um, you can find it on Instagram Precision Rifle Series underscore UK. You can find Trez. I think you're. Instagram's Trez underscore sends underscore it, isn't it? And I, mine is uh, mine's it Andy Simpson. Um, so yeah, we'll just just give us a shout, man. We're, we're, if, if it's PRS related or shooting related, you've got all ears. Right? Yeah, and <laughs> you just, don't spam just, just for everybody. Don't just for everybody listening in Europe about that course, I have I have taken Phil and Kalen's course, one of their courses before, and it's. It's top instruction, guys. It's uh, yeah. I, I went basically. Well, one, it's always get good instruction. I mean, I don't care if you're winning everything. There's always something you can learn. But also, uh, just Phil and Kayla are, are my are my homies, and it was it was good to sit there and, and you know break bread and, and drink beers with them and have a good time, a good weekend. So I'm actually um, probably this week I'll be back on their podcast as a guest over there. So. Um, but you can't ask for two better guys and, and two better instructors. You, and, and you get them both together at the same time. They're they're going to have a blast over there with you guys. I know um, I know they're just as excited to be over there as you guys are to have them. So um, that is awesome. But, yeah, speaking of uh, of uh, football, we've got or, – or soccer here. I've got the, uh, the U.S. qualifier game coming up here in about an hour and a half. So we're going to go hit the pub. <laughs> And go watch uh, hit the pub. Hit the pub. <laughs> we're gonna go. Uh, we're gonna go watch that game, all decked out in our red, white, and blue. So, um, guys, Trez, Andy, I appreciate both y'all coming on. I am so sorry it took me this fucking long to to make this podcast happen, but it was well worth the wait for me. 
Um, I, thanks for coming on, guys. I know this is what uh, so uh, eight o'clock. I ain't that late at your time, but I, I appreciate y'all coming on and and opening up and and giving the American listener a little bit of a better glimpse of what what it's like mm-hmm. to shoot over there and and even just to be a firearm owner over there. And again. My only words of advice to you guys is keep doing what you're doing, exactly what you're doing, and you guys are doing awesome. Thanks, man. Yeah, yeah we really, really appreciate it. Um, yeah, we'll, we should be over in November, so we'll be over for the finale. So if anybody wants to say hi, well, we're more than happy to. Yeah, we'll have a beer. Yeah, K and M at the finale. You go find them, and uh, yeah. and hey, look, I'm holding both you two your offer. You're coming to the hand match next. year. Next year, yeah, no, yeah. I'd love, I'd love to be we'll able to be there. Yeah, yeah, awesome, and um, I'll uh, we'll definitely look for each other and squad up together because I, I, I would love that. That'd be so much fun. So, um, yeah, y'all just stay Thank in the you. line. I'm gonna end the podcast, and then we'll we'll get off from there. Okay, everybody, thanks for listening. Awesome, you got to go in here with these two today, and um, yeah, there was some technical difficulties, but I'll do my best effort in in editing that out. So there's like probably four or five minutes of a fucker going on that I'll, I'll get out of there, but I know you guys enjoyed it. I know I enjoyed doing it. So until next time, peace.